Hello guys, it's me Blue and welcome or welcome back to B&B Anime with my fantabulous co-host. I'm Brad. Hi. That was so smooth. Did you hear that intro guys? That was so smooth. That's the first time I've done it that cleanly in a while. <laughs> Has it ever been that clean, though, since we've started? I can't I don't remember. Know. Maybe, like, the second episode I did it okay, and then since there, it's just, it's gone downhill. Maybe. 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 I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, how are you anyways, Brad? I'm doing well. So, I did a magical thing today. Oh. oh. Well, it's magical, but also it could be very damning at the same time. Okay. I bought Animal Crossing today. Oh, you're going to lose like a month of your life. So listen, the podcast may or may not get uploaded <laughs> on time. Just saying. <laughs> Everything else could go out the window. It's Animal Crossing time. Exactly. I mean, I haven't streamed much here lately, so I have Animal Crossing that needs to get played. I have streaming of Animal Crossing that needs to get done. There's just, there's you just so much. you got Final Fantasy on that as well. Final Fantasy VII there, boy. Exactly, which I will say, the remake is phenomenal. I'm yeah. really enjoying it so far. Awesome. But I cannot oh. look Tifa and Ares in the same light just because of our secret projects that are now available over on the B&B Projects page on YouTube. Link will be on the website, shameless plug. <laughs> but also, it needed to be said because, like... It's phenomenal what they've done with it, but I just, I cannot hear the voices the same anymore, thanks to us and our fan dub. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great fun working on that project. If you guys are at all interested in Final Fantasy VII, we did do um, two different fan dubs, um, and yeah, it was just for fun, and they're on the B&B Anime uh, Projects YouTube channel, as Brad had previously said, and um, yeah, it was great fun doing them. They're only like one scene each, so they're really not very long. Um, but we talk about the fact that we are getting into voice acting all the time on this podcast. Um, we figured it was time that we showed you a little bit of proof about that. Yeah, so perfect time to bring it up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so outside of that, it's been fiddling with the capture card. The capture card was me cussing a lot, <laughs> trying to figure that out, because it literally took me two hours to figure out what the hell was going on. I have not played inside this PC case this much since I've got the thing. Mm-hmm. So it took me ages, but it's done. Everything's hooked up. So that's I'm nice. basically set. Yeah, I bet that's a relief to on. get that like done. Oh, it is. It is mm -hmm. 100%. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm kind of sleepy. If I say anything loopy today, guys, uh, I gave blood today. <laughs> so um, yeah, there is a good chance that, well, my brain's on like 50% power most of the time anyways, but now it's probably on like 30%. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what's your excuse the rest of the time? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, my excuse the rest of the time is just that uh, I can't. <laughs> it's just, I, I can't, not today, yeah, uh, no. now fam. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so I gave blood earlier today. Um, we went out for a drive. I wasn't actually intending to give blood today, um, but uh, me and my mum wanted to get out of the house because obviously we've been cooped up a lot. Um, so we decided to go for a drive because um, restrictions have been lifted slightly this week in Alberta and we weren't quite sure what that meant for like actual stores and shopping and stuff. So we decided to go for a drive around the city and just like drive by different shops and see which ones are open and which ones aren't. Mm -hmm. um, turns out most of them aren't, but a lot of the big chains are now doing like curbside selling. So where you like order something online or you call up the store beforehand and you 
purchase it and then you go and pick it up out front of the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like most places are doing that. So like Michael's, Best Buy, um, Sport Check, a lot of stores like that are doing it. Um, but things like Winners and HomeSense haven't opened up yet. So it's kind of bizarre as to which ones are. And I'm not entirely sure what the restrictions are and like what type of store is able to be opened and which ones aren't and what like stores have to sell to be open. So it's all kind of confusing right now. Um, but yeah, when we were out anyways, um, I thought that I would just drive by the clinic and see if they were open. And they were, but they were by appointment only. So I went on to the handy dandy Canadian donation services app, uh, which is super easy, and uh, booked an appointment for a couple hours time. And then my mom and I went and had lunch and we parked up and had a car picnic and we had a good chat. Uh, until my appointment was ready and then I went and uh, uh, donated blood and got some free snacks. It was a good time. Well, there you go. Sounds like you've had a fun day then. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty long day. I was up early, but um, yeah, it's been a a good day. I feel you on the whole up early thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Both up early for different reasons. Oh, yeah. But still both up early. So Mm -hmm. uh, tired. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Me too as well. Um, But yeah, yeah. So it's me. (laughs) So, before we get into the news, uh, I gotta know. Oh? What did you think? Oh, okay. Um, so this is one of your top two of all time favorite movies, right? No, the, this is my favorite film uh-huh. of all time. A Silent Voice kind of sits just below it, but barely. Mm-hmm. But this one just totally takes the cake, in my okay. opinion. So. Um, I think it's really good. I don't know that I would rate it quite that high, though. Uh, but I think it's really, really good. Hmm. Interesting. 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 Um, <laughs> one of the things that I will mention, there's so many film techniques in here that were just like eye candy. They were so mm-hmm. good. Um, the focus, one thing that you rarely see actually in animation, that you see a, a technique that's used a lot in live action films is focus shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like, one thing is in like the foreground and then it focuses on the background and then it shifts focus and you focus on the foreground and defocus on the background, right? Mm. I I found that it was used in this film and it was used very cleverly. Mm. There are also other things. uh, The lighting in it was very interesting. I thought that was fantastic. Um, The difference in animation style, how it changed in animation style was really, really interesting as well. And, Mm -hmm. oh, there was one more point. Uh, about the f- the actual filmmaking that I thought was really good, but I can't remember. Maybe I'll think of it later. Um, but yeah, there, there's quite a few things in here that I found really, really fascinating. And also the whole involvement of um, the kind of red string of fate, or the red thread of fate, which is you like is talked about kind of throughout Japanese culture and um, legends, I guess. Um, and the fact that the film centers around that as well is is super cool for someone who's just like a Japanese cultural kind of nerd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was also, so how you had that point in Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai with that like cracking noise, like mm-hmm. kind of leaving a lasting impact on you. Mm-hmm. There's a noise in this film that we'll get to a little bit later that Mm -hmm. left that on me. Like, this was probably my, I think, sixth or seventh time seeing this film all the way through. Mm -hmm. And, like, watching it through this time, like, every time it hit, like, it just gave me shivers just because of the impact that it had. I think I know the sound that you're talking about. And, yes, I agree. Yeah, it's a very clever use of sound. mm Mm-hmm. But we are getting way Way ahead ahead of of ourselves ourselves. (laughs) because I just wanted to know what you thought. But 
first, we got to get into news. Mm-hmm. What have so, you got for us? First bit of news mm-hmm. is Rascal Does Not Dream of a Dreaming Girl is okay. coming to Blu-ray Ooh. on June 30th. Interesting. So, so what does that mean for the podcast? Da-da-da, sneak peek. So it <laughs> basically depends on when you go to Japan. Yeah. But we're going to have to watch it between... <laughs> like basically around the time it comes out we're gonna have to cover it because i i gotta see it mm-hmm, definitely yeah i will be going um if everything opens back up again and it's all good to go um it will be towards the end of july so i'll definitely be here for that um and we should definitely record that i'm i'm looking forward to it because mm-hmm. that anime just turned into just it turned into something phenomenal and i was just like i, I love it so much yeah definitely and so second piece of news PA Works mm. is making an anime called The Day I Became a God, okay. and it's based off of a visual novel. Okay. And so Aniplex and PA Works are joining together to make it with a uh, with the visual novel studio Key, and the people from PA Works that are working on this are coming from the people who worked on Angel Beats and oh. Charlotte. So I am, yeah. I'm really excited because Angel Beats is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. That, do you know what genre it is? Mm. I have no clue because I pulled up the thing to actually read through it and there's not a lot to go off of. Right. All I know is that it's based off of a visual novel and they all just decided to kind of team up mm-hmm. on it and work together. So cool. it's slated to start in October. So Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited so I'm to hear intrigued. more news about that as that starts to come out definitely because the key visual that i saw of it looks phenomenal cool so if they stick with the same art style through it it's gonna be great yeah no i'm stoked to see that and nextly is that a word i don't care (laughs) anyway so the 23rd pokemon film has now been delayed oh okay that doesn't surprise me yeah so at this point it's it's nothing new to have something delayed. Yeah, at this point, it's what's not getting anymore. delayed rather than what is getting delayed. <laughs> well, on the bright side, we did go through a list last week. That's if true. you didn't hear of shows that aren't being delayed. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, we have that going. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, and, one of the ones that you are watching is on there as well. So that's not getting delayed. The, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Kaguya Summer Love is War? No, the other one about. Is it that one? No. Yeah, it's that one. I think there's My Next Life is a Villainess That's as well. That's the one I was thinking of. My Next Life is a I'm watching both of them. They're so good. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Kaguya Sama. It's just, it's an amazing rom com. I, I feel like I say that every time I bring it up. But, you're oh, you're so a big good. old softie, aren't you? You love your romantics. Well, I mean, slice of life rom coms are great. Yeah. Because that show, like, it makes me belly laugh. Like, <laughs> it's phenomenal. I feel like somewhere along the line, we just switched a section of our personality. Because I feel like if you heard us and somebody said, one of them likes rom-coms, slice of life rom-coms, the other one likes sports anime. I don't think that they would pair it that way. No, no, you wouldn't think that the six foot four bearded southern dude would be the one who's into slice of life rom coms. <laughs> yeah, and I live my life most of the time in pastel pink. So Hey, to be fair, pink is one of my favorite colors. I love pink. I love pink. I love lavender. I love blue. Funny that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's huh. Shocking, right? Although I love mint as well. Mint is a fantastic color. Things things are being pieced together here. <laughs> And so, next piece of news, I had to include this because it's very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. 
So Harvest Moon, the One World game, has been announced for the Switch. And it's going to be coming to the West in the fall of this year. That's exciting. So I figure with you now being a fan of Stardew Valley, that Harvest Moon might be right up your alley. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, because I grew up playing Harvest Moon. So the fact that we got a, the fact that we got Stardew Valley is an absolute treasure because it's, uh, it's basically days gone by that I'm so happy with it. I've put, I think, 400 hours into that game now. Nice. I've put I've put so much time <laughs> into that. They don't call me Stardew Senpai for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I've put so much time into Minecraft that I can't actually calculate how much time I've put into Minecraft. I don't want to try to calculate the amount of time that I've put into Minecraft, but I'm sure for you and I, it's probably up there close to the amount of anime <laughs> that we've yeah, watched Yeah, well, we were both lifetime. playing it like alpha beta time, weren't we? So mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like, it's, I mean, I started playing when I was a teenager, like a, a young teenager. Yeah, I started playing around my freshman year of high school. So it's it's definitely around in there somewhere, without a doubt. Yeah, I think I was playing in my last ish year of middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So big time, big time <laughs> hours in there. Oh, and the Sims too. Jeez, if you add up the Sims games, especially if you count like um Sim City. I used to have Sim City on like the app. I used to have the game, but then I used to have the app as well. Um and I put way too much time into that one as well you see for me like i didn't grow up playing sims now what i did mm -hmm. play was the tycoon games oh my god roller coaster tycoon so good roller coaster tycoon mall tycoon like i i love those games Uh, they're so much fun there was a water park one as well wasn't there Um, maybe I, I i don't think it was a i'm not sure if it was a tycoon or if it was like a a company that was doing the same kind of game but i i think there was one about a water park because i remember that being a thing and it's crazy to see how those types of games have still carried over because i think you got like planet zoo and then there's the yeah, jurassic there's park one. game yeah and there's a new one that's supposed to be released soon that i've been following on steam that i can't remember the name of right now hmm. so yeah. like it's just crazy how those types of games have just like they're still prominent like they yeah. carry on yeah and so well next, they're fun oh well i mean yeah that's they're just that's very just true fun. Like, yeah. it's an easy way to kill time. Yeah. Oh, because you've even got um, Two Point Hospital that's very similar. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I've never played, but I know you streamed it there for a little bit. I did stream it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was wondering about streaming it recently, actually, because I uh, maybe I'll stream it tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. We shall see. And so... Although that... <laughs> this is being released on Sunday. That's uh, all in the past for you guys listening. So listen, there's a backlog of her streams that you can go back and watch at twitch.tv forward slash blue lavender with an A. You'll, you can with find it there. Or you can also lavender. find it conveniently placed on bnbanime.com. <laughs> Oh God, the, the, the plugs promo. out we're of the getting, way early. <laughs> honestly, we're getting so shameless with those promos. People are going to get annoyed at us soon. It's just like, oh my God, we have to come up with creative ways to slide them in. So listen, like, <laughs> look, we're like cats, okay? If I fits, I sits. So therefore, <laughs> if the ability comes up, it's got to be plugged. <laughs> oh God. But if we plug it during, does that mean we have to plug it at the end? I don't know. <laughs> We plug it all the time, okay? We are just a socket. We are. (laughs) We are a big professional here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. And so The Devil's a Part-Timer, Nava, the final volume that we've discussed, I think at least once or twice during these, during the news, has been delayed until August 7th due to the pandemic going on. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so I figured with them making as big of a deal out of it being the final novel, like it strikes me as odd that they like that it got delayed. I figured it would have been finished by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe they just delayed it just so maybe everything would well, be. It might have been an issue up. with the printing. Maybe. maybe. Like something had to have slowed it down, like, but also well, that's two if, weeks before if my the birthday. Are closed. Maybe. I'm not sure. Mm. So definitely, I don't know. But And so we got a really interesting piece of news this past week that I know a mutual friend of ours is really excited about. So Inuyasha is getting a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am, I'm really excited for this because I grew up watching Inuyasha. Like it during Adult Swim was one of my favorites. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, Inuyasha is one of the uh, old running shows that I have never seen anything of <gasps> I know <Shame. laughs> I know blasphemy it's blasphemy <laughs> so much shame you know what blasphemy I'm just gonna... doesn't sound like a real word to me anymore I said that twice and the second time I said it it didn't sound right <laughs> <laughs> you know it like it really doesn't sound like a blasphemy. real world or real world blasphemy. I, I, I can speak <laughs> I can do the words I think it's because it sounds like because for me, so it's blast for me, and I think that's why it throws me off. English is fucking weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hard language. It is. I'm so glad that I learned it when I was an infant, so I don't have to learn it now. Yeah, like I'm, I'm much enjoying my Japanese studies more <laughs> than like I, I feel for the people who have to learn English. Like it, oh, it sucks. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's got rules, but then the rules are just like, mm, it's more of a guideline than a rule. Like, it's like, you know how whenever people don't want to give exact, so they put the uh, approximate oh, like symbol? English is the politician of languages. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. It only works when it's convenient for them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so the next piece of news is My Hero Academia ranks number 15 on the New York Times Graphics Books bestseller list in May. Oh, wow. Good on that. Like, that's legit. Yeah. Well, because that's the graphic, uh, what do you say, for graphic novels? Mm-hmm. So that's going up against Marvel, DC, all of the big guns. Yeah. And so it's, but I guess that's just a testament to how huge that My Hero Academia is like worldwide, but especially in the States. Yeah, well, not just that, just anime in general has really taken off within the past like two maybe years, three three years. Because mm-hmm. like when I was in middle school, if I had told people that I liked anime, they would have looked at me real funny. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah, without now, a doubt. You, and then yeah, now, like it's, it's like normal, it's, it's just like TV. almost pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so this next one, (laughs) this next one is really interesting. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember if we've talked about this and your answer to it, but have you seen Demon Slayer? Ah, we have talked about it, I think, or maybe not on podcast, but might have just in chats. And no, I haven't. So then (laughs) this may not strike you as odd, but for me, like it, it baffles me. So (laughs) Demon Slayer has been ranked in the top 10 books chosen by elementary school students. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Should elementary school students be reading Demon Slayer? No. God, no. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking along that, though. Those lines that... Um... <laughs> <laughs> like, not, not an anime I would show my kids. Now, 
I would show them Demon Slayer over Attack on Titan. Like, yeah. that's without question. <clears throat> but, like, Demon Slayer in general? Nah, nah, fam. Yeah. Yeah, I just, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's this, it is this whole thing of um, the younger generations getting really into anime, but, like, uh, parents and teachers aren't quite there with it yet so they Mm -hmm. see it and they think oh cartoon and then if they've seen anime chances are they've seen something like a ghibli film or uh um i don't know something like pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or you know that kind of thing like it it's less popular in the older generations so Mm -hmm. then um they assume that it's all cartoon and they i think it's starting to now probably within the last year or so um, you're starting to see parents that are actually like, okay, no, we need to check the ratings on anime. But like before we started this podcast, neither of us knew that anime ratings existed. I mean, that makes yeah, like I, I had no clue that ratings were a thing. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfectly logical sense that they are rated. They should be rated like that. Yeah, of course they are. But like, it had never occurred to us that they they were. No. <laughs> like, so it was it's really odd, but yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm still baffled by that. Yeah. Like, Demon Slayer, ranked top 10 in kids' books. Like, I, yeah. uh, I have no words. Okay, so what uh, kind of more Western mainstream thing would you equate Demon Slayer to on level of appropriateness? <sighs> Putting you on the spot here. Oh, I'm trying to think because, like, trying to compare it to something Western, but also, like, something that would actually make it a really good comparison um, I don't, I don't know because like, I can't put it, well, I guess I could put it on like the same levels, like the hunger games because there is death. Right. Okay. So, and, okay. On a scale, <clears throat> what Harry Potter movie would you put it on? Ooh. Okay. Seven. Okay. So definitely not for kids just because the amount of like bloodshed and everything mm-hmm. that goes on in it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So, yeah, I, I got to put it at seven because I think seven is definitely like the most. The Deathly like, Hallows or Deathly Hallows Part 2 for the movies? Uh, two. Okay. Yeah, so the big war and everything. So it's like up yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Death. Death everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. In which case, yeah, absolutely not appropriate for elementary school kids. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And I haven't read the manga. I have no clue about the manga. However, Chances are mangas are worse than the animes, though. Mangas tend to be, like, animes tend to be tamed down from what the mangas are. Yeah, so. I kind of want to read the manga now. Like, I want to know. It's piqued your interest. <laughs> oh, yeah. It has definitely piqued my interest. And so... I wonder what the Japanese think of that. Like, people that know the New York Times bestseller list. Because I don't know how popular it would be out there. Because, like, even in the UK, if you get on the New York be- the Times bestseller list, then um, it's, like, on the front cover of your books, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a uh, all-English-language-speaking countries thing. Um but I don't think it would necessarily be like hold the same weight over in a country that doesn't speak English as their native language. Um, but yeah, I wonder like the people that follow it, I wonder what they think. But I mean, could you imagine though, like going to your local bookshop and picking up the My Hero manga and it says New York Times best selling book? Like yeah. that would that would blow that my would mind. Me. Like yeah. As somebody who has read manga my entire life, like, if I pick that up, I would just, like, that would floor me. I'd be like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, my, how times have changed. Yeah. I actually wonder if that's happened before, if if there has been a 
manga that has uh, achieved number one on the graphic novel bestseller list before and if so what manga because it makes me curious about like pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or uh dragon ball or you know the old school ones that have been running for forever mm-hmm. sailor moon maybe because they've got some hardcore fans yeah that'll be that'll have to be homework for the next episode mm. is trying to get an answer for that speaking of homework oh yeah i was gonna say speaking of homework did you do your homework nope. <laughs> major season one episode one you didn't did do it not. I have been I have been unbelievably busy this past week. I yeah. am so sorry. No, yeah. No, it's just fine. You're moving and everything. It's so fine that I'm I'm yeah, You're gonna reassign it for this week, I'm, aren't you? I'm gonna I'm yeah, you have to watch it. It's like, okay, fine. It's like I'm going to a college professor and asking for an extension on a paper. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And this is the where this is where I say, hmm. You know, I understand your at-home circumstances, so uh, just this once, you're going to get this extension. But if you do it again, you know, I'm going to be deducting. Um, I'm going to have to d- take a deduction from your overall test scores. Uh, your uh, 4.0 GPA is uh, <laughs> is at risk here. I was going to say, joke's on you. I'm already failing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your attendance record is poor. Okay, so listen. My attendance record in <laughs> <Okay>. college... <laughs> We're not going to get into it. I showed up on days to take tests. That was it. <laughs> My attendance record in college doesn't exist. <laughs> I win, just barely. <laughs> yeah. I did take one online college course and didn't finish it, so... <laughs> That's okay. I dropped out too. So we're in the same boat, fam. <laughs> hey, my high school attendance record is is real bad. I went for a year and a half. <laughs> I mean, hey, you did better than my dad. My dad dropped out in... When did he drop out? It was like his freshman year, maybe? I dropped out at the end of first semester, 11th grade. Yeah, so you did better than my dad, so props to you. (laughs) I was the first one of my year, first dropout. Hmm. It's kind of an achievement that I shouldn't be proud of. (laughs) But you've got a story to tell. Right? Because there were a couple after me Mm -hmm. who did leave. Well, I don't know. Uh, there was one girl who dropped out before me, but she didn't drop out, drop out. She went to the outreach school. Oh, okay. So she still, like, finished school, um, unlike me. (laughs) (laughs) Stay in school, kids. Don't listen to me. Yes, stay in school. Be big brain. We, we gotta get big smart. (laughs) Mm. Except me no big brain, because me no do homework. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, stay in school but remember that mental health comes first and if your mental health mm. is being compromised because of what you're doing in either work or school then health is more important exactly do that's that's my message ultimately do what's best for you do what you need to do and education is important or at least a diploma is important for like going into the workforce and whatnot but school if it's bad for you don't do it (laughs) The thing about it is, is that school is something that you can return to. We have this kind of, we're going back into this school discussion, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we have this kind of like idea in our brain that we have to complete school before the time that we're like 18. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to complete high school. That's not true. You know, you don't have to do it that way. Um, and if you're like sacrificing your health for a goal of an age, it's not worth it. No, it's just like, um, so the one semester of college I took in my sociology class, there was a lady who was in there that I think was 78. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. never too late to pursue your education, yeah, yeah. especially if it's just something that you want to do. 
But yeah. also, like, even with high school, like, if you're not able to finish due to something, that's fine. Like, you can always go back and get your GED or figure out a way to get your diploma. Later. So, yeah. like, you always yeah, got <clears throat> to do what's oh, and best you for don't... you. And in your head, like, going back to high school doesn't mean that you have to go back to a high school. It means that you can take high school level classes at a university or a college. So don't feel like, oh my god, I have to do it now because it's going to be super embarrassing having to go and sit in a classroom when I'm 25. Like, no, you don't have to do it that way. You can go to a university and just take high school classes there or take night classes or online classes. There are many options out there. Yeah, because a lot of the general ed class, like, they do, like, a lot of them are refresh courses. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's definitely not something to be ashamed of by any means. And if I were to go back to school, I'd probably have to take gen ed classes myself. But Mm -hmm. at this point, I don't like, I've contemplated going back to school like a few different times. And especially here within the past, like six months to a year. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I would go back for because everything that I would, like I can teach myself or like I'm surrounded by people who can like teach me this stuff to where like, will I have a degree? No, but can I still like get stuff done? Yes, because we're going mm-hmm. we're going back to a society where people can like experience is more preferred over a college degree now. Mm-hmm. So if school isn't your thing, go get a trade. Go out and do something. Like <laughs> Yeah, find a get an apprenticeship. Yeah, because it's like it's becoming more prominent and I've heard statistics mm-hmm. of where like electricians and plumbers and welders are in decline right now and mm-hmm. that's because schools, And they make good money. Oh, they make phenomenal like welders. And plumbers, mm-hmm. electricians, like they can all make six figures a year. Well, and you can start your own business that way, run your own company, go into a partnership with somebody else. Like you have so many more options. Yeah. There. And so it's like, <clears throat> if education isn't your thing, there's no but shame in, in going into a trade. Yeah. Like, absolutely not. <clears throat> so I really, <laughs> from, we went from education on one to be like, nah, education bad. <laughs> But it's like, it's so it's true. It's just though. not for everyone. Yeah, it's not. Like, yeah. school, like, I was bored the entire time that I was there. Yeah, <clears> well, that's. That's the thing is, like, I have cousins that are completely, like, they are academics. That's just where they fit. They suit fantastic. Like, I have a cousin that's got a doctorate. I have another cousin that works in a library. You know, like, <clears throat> I have cousins that just, that's what they do. They're they are academics. That's where they find their passion. They've got their enjoyment there. And they thrive. Mm-hmm. And then I've got other cousins that are more like me that don't do well in a classroom, that get distracted easily, get bored easily, that get down on themselves because they can't, like, it's not that, like, we can't necessarily keep up. It's just that we don't learn the same way that other people do in the classroom. So then, like, we're sitting in the classroom listening to everything. It's not going into our head. We have to go home reteach it to ourselves because we didn't learn the same way that they did and then we get it first time but it's just that it wasn't like I'm I'm not that kind of learner like I'm not a visual learner I'm much more of an auditory tactile learner and you see I'm a like hands-on learner like you can sit there and teach me mm-hmm. all day but until I actually sit down and do it myself like I'm never I'm never gonna learn mm-hmm. so show it to me let me do it and then I'll kind of go yeah. from there which I think is where a lot of my like video editing skills are lacking because I'm like literally trying to brute force my way through everything and I really wanted to sit down and try to make a trailer for mm-hmm. this episode because like I said I wanted to do it for shows that are special to us mm-hmm but I haven't got around to it for one because I haven't had time but two like I've hit like a major roadblock with like I kind of want to do things but then I'm like I don't know how mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um and for me I'm kind of the same sort of way I'm very auditory in how I learn 
Um, I think that's why I like voice acting so much, um, Mm -hmm. because I like to hear things back. And I think that's why also when I'm editing, I find that I learn more editing my own voice than I do making the voice because I can hear back Mm. and make adjustments. Um, I'm very, very auditory when it comes to that. But then I also do have this complete tactile side for when I'm doing like artwork where I have to like do it myself and watching a tutorial or listening to a tutorial even doesn't help me. I need to like see what the end project or end goal is and then try and replicate it outside of like anyone being around me. I have to like shut myself in a bubble (laughs) and just like leave me alone. I'm going to like figure this out on my own, you know? And you see, like, I'm very similar whenever it comes to art in that, like, but I can watch a tutorial video and kind of get the hang of what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Like the commission that I did for Jen, the one who did all the lettering and stuff on the podcast. Like, I literally had to go in and, like, watch a video on how to do <clears throat> hands properly for what she wanted done because, like, hands are where I truly struggle. And so, having to actually go in and watch a video, but it, like, it showed me some things that I've never done. And once I got the drawing done, like, I had a blast getting to actually try to go in and shade and figure it out how I wanted to do all of that. But, it was, just, it was um, a time. I, I just got completely distracted because uh, uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page mm-hmm. for the for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ray Chase um, voices in the English dub uh, Shinta Takagi. Uh, and uh, he follows my private Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like freaked out a little bit. Because, uh, yeah, he's an awesome voice actor. He's fantastic. And I met him at a convention. Um, a while back and uh, I asked him to sign my shoe. I was cosplayed as a nurse joy at the time Um, and I asked him to sign my shoe Um, and then I tagged him in the picture of my shoe and uh, he followed me. So yeah, yeah, I just kind of like freaked out a little bit because yeah, major fangirl moment. He was absolutely lovely. I watched his panel and then went up um, for a signing and yeah, I didn't know he voiced on this. That's cool. I didn't know that either because I've the only time I've seen the sub for this is whenever I went to go watch it in theaters. Mm. And then every other time I've watched it dubbed because I want to be able to like pick up things and notice things that I didn't mm-hmm. notice the first time. So just, you know, things that are going to make me appreciate the film more. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, on that note, shall we, shall we jump right should into we jump the... Right into it? Yeah, shall we? Okay, so uh, <laughs> this week, um, I guess I'll do a quick description beforehand before I. Th- oh wait, you've got to do the the background. All the I'm I do. just skipping. I'm skipping way too ahead. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Who am I? You- <laughs> what's your name? What's ah ah? I had to. So listen, my plan was to straight up interrupt your intro this time and hit you with that question. <laughs> Well, you didn't get it during the intro, but you got it right then. Yep, I had to. You set yourself up for it. I did, I did. I walked right into that one. Oh, before we get into this, uh, I have to tell a stupid joke that I came up with today. I'm sure it's already been said once, but um, it made my mom die laughing. Because, um, uh, yeah, we were out having a picnic. And I turned to her and I said really awkwardly, I said, uh, uh, so what would you do if, um, which would you... Uh, so if you took a bicycle outside in the winter, what would you call it? Uh, a a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a swig of water. <laughs> I killed Brad. Oh no, I killed Brad. I'm fine. 
I'm okay. So, if your tire were to go flat in the snow, would that make it a popsicle? (laughs) 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 Oh, Uh, everybody has immediately turned the podcast off now. You know what I say? Uh, That's it. Wrap it up. (laughs) I say snow more jokes. Hey, you're being way too cold. You need to calm down. (laughs) Everybody freeze. We're going to start this over. You hear that? She's giving everybody the cold shoulder. It's oh. just, that's how she is. I think you're feeling a little bit frosty today, though. Uh, oh, it hurts. <laughs> so. And just swiftly moving on. Yeah. <laughs> So, your name, or Kimi no Nawa, in the Japanese iteration of the title, was done by the production company Comex Waves Films, and was directed by Makoto Shinkai. Mm -hmm. And I know I've talked about Makoto Shinkai a lot, because he is the next Miyazaki in the anime film world. Because you look at this film and, like, you can definitely tell how it's very inspired by the Ghibli films with, like, the way the food is styled and everything and the way that it's shot and laid out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's definitely its own world because I saw in an interview where um, Shinkai was talking about how, like, his goal whenever he creates films is to show the world that, like, you know, it's okay to be different from... Miyazaki like that's totally fine and that's kind of his like you know outreach to other artists and directors like you can actually break free and kind of do your own thing because look at these films and look at how well they've done your name is the highest grossing anime film of all time yeah I get why like it's it's such a wonderful film like I can't like I can't I could just gush about it for hours (laughs) But before I do that, so Shinkai and uh, Comix Films have done a lot of projects together. So I'm just going to run through their like film works together just because mm-hmm. he's the main director for the studio. Mm-hmm. And so some of these you may have heard of, some of these you may not have. I've watched most of them, I'm just saying. <laughs> so Voices of a Distant Star, The Place Promised in Our Early Days, Five Centimeters Per Second, Children Who Chase Lost Voices, The Garden of Words, this film, Your Name, and a film that came out last year that warmed my heart very much, Weathering With You. Weathering With You was phenomenal. I think it made the seventh highest highest grossing anime film of all time in the box office. Like, it was great. It's not Your Name levels of perfection in my eyes. But weathering with you, I'd give a solid nine. So whenever that comes out to where we can watch it, we'll definitely have to cover that one too because I could also gush over that one. And then the music was done by Radwimps. Mm-hmm. And interesting fact about the music in this film, I'm assuming you watched the sub version, correct? Yes. So in the dub version, Radwimps did an entire English version of every song Oh, wow. In this film. That's so awesome. So it was entirely dubbed through the English version and entirely Japanese in the sub. And I'm like, 
that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So good on them for that. And now we can jump into <laughs> all your fancy schmancy words. <laughs> oh, my fancy schmancy words. So I'm just going to talk about the uh, the background. Uh, the background, a uh, quick uh, description. That's what I want. <laughs> words. <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you I'm at 30% brain capacity today. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so a quick quick description. Mm-hmm. You keep uh, this up. I'm going to start calling you Aqua. That's just how this is going to go. Just call me Half Pint because that's how much blood I have left. Um, uh, yeah, oh. so quick description of the film um, would be, uh, it is, uh, I spoke about this briefly earlier, it is about the concept of the kind of red strings of fate, red threads of fate, which is, um, a Japanese cultural, I don't really know the origins of it too much, I haven't done too much research into it, but it's seen in a lot of Japanese media, um, and basically it means that certain people can be tied together through this red string of fate that connects them. And that's kind of the main premise of this film is that there are two people that are connected together. You've got Taki and uh, Mitsuha, uh, and the two of them are connected through red, uh, through this red string. Um, and uh, it's a film that is one you have to pay attention to because um, <clears throat> you have to like because there's a lot of time lapse swapping around. There's a lot of. Um, uh memory i'm not gonna say memory well there is memory loss there's um uh it's it's a very intricate film very detailed film um so yeah that's a big part of it um and (laughs) it's about yeah these two these two um high schoolers who are one's living in tokyo and the other's living out in the country um, and, uh, they have this connection between, the, I'm trying not to spoil it. Um, yeah, they have this connection between the two of them that causes them to kind of invade each other's lives. I feel like that's a good way to put it. Um, and through this invasion of each other's lives, they start to get to know each other, um, and experience kind of some trials and tribulations of the teenage life. Um, and also, uh, experiencing, the lives of things like of people that they of a circumstance that they're unfamiliar with so one in the city one in the country one being male one being female um and uh and yeah it's about their interactions with each other and throughout yeah. the film you also see um a large comet and it's all about circular uh, so like kind of like focusing around this comet um, and their storyline kind of face, focuses in on the timeline of this comet, the, this day this comet is supposed to pass above in the sky. Mm. Um, and it kind of Im- impacts their relationship and how they in- interact with each other. And out of context, because we'll get into the context of it here shortly. <laughs> boobs. Boobs. <laughs> boobs. I've got that actually in my notes just as a whole line. Just like one line. It just says boobs. And then it's the next line. Like, like I'm not even joking. I actually have um, it written three times on one page. <laughs> because it's, like, out of context, it sounds bad, at, but... So, I showed a really good friend of ours this film, because we... So, this week, one reason why I haven't had a lot of time. So, we introduced a friend of ours to anime this week. Oh, And, like, boy. how phenomenal anime films could be. Mm-hmm. So I showed him two films. I showed him I Want to Eat Your Pancreas because I got the collector's edition in the mail this week. So I did was, he cry? He did not. <gasps> I might have. 
<laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny because we're not covering that. So we're not getting into a cry count <laughs> for that one. Did you cry during this film? I did not. Now, no, neither did I, I don't know if I mentioned this whenever I was like giving the description and background about everything whenever I went to go see this in theaters. So whenever I went to go see it, the, was it the, we'll get into it later and I'll talk about it. But there's a certain point in the film to where like it started to choke me up the first time I saw it. Right. And okay. then. Towards the end. Yeah. But yeah. like three rows down because. We were sat in the theater, and it was me and a couple that were sitting, like, three rows down from me. And so, three rows down, all I hear is, <laughs> and I was like, oh, how cute. So, like, it, it definitely choked up the couple that yeah. was down below me. But I haven't cried during any of this, and I know that sounds crazy compared to your line April. Where, like, the reason it is my favorite anime of all time is because it managed to make me feel things that I've, like, I didn't know I could hurt that bad watching a show. But this Mm -hmm. one just made me, like, this film just enthralled me in such Mm -hmm. a way. And so I thought this was going to be the first film that I was going to show him. But since we got I Want Eat Your Pancreas in the mail that day, we're like, okay, you know what? (laughs) We're going to we're going to watch that. (laughs) We're going to do that? Yeah. And so, but he really enjoyed that. And then we showed him this one. He's like, okay, yeah, this one was definitely better. <clears throat> because it just like, it just has a way of drawing you in with the art style and everything. And this is, you know what? I'm I'm going to shut up about it because I'll get into it whenever we get into like the actual grading and how we would recommend it and everything at the end. So I'm okay, going to leave y'all hanging until good. the end of the podcast. So spoiler chicken hats. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's, let's pop on that spoiler hat there. Um, I was very vague during that description um, on purpose because I feel like even knowing the very basics of this film spoils stuff. Mm, and it's one of yeah. those films where I recommend watching it twice because you will appreciate it so much more during a second watch mm-hmm. because things that didn't make sense start to. And there was yeah. like, I find, like I started to have some things click watching it through this time. And it was my sixth mm-hmm. time seeing it through. Like I picked up on even more like, intricate details i don't know if it was just because i was watching it for the podcast to where i had to actually sit down and try to critique it spoiler mm-hmm. i i had literally have no critiques <laughs> for this like it is still perfection mm-hmm. in my eyes however like it definitely like made me pay so much more attention to the little things and the little details yeah so yeah i'm, I'm gonna stop gushing <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so let's let's jump into it. Spoiler warning is officially up because it starts spoiling starts happening pretty quick. So um, yeah. Uh, okay, so spoiler warning is up. It's been up for a few seconds. Um, I think we can officially say now that this is a film about body swapping. Um, and that was the big thing that I was really trying to avoid during the description of it because I went in completely blind to watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read no descriptions. You said this is a film that we're going to watch. I said, okay, I searched it up, I pressed play. I had, I went in blind. Um, and I think that's the way to do it because I was so confused <laughs> for like a good, like, like 15 minutes. And then afterwards, like after, yeah, you kind of start figuring things out. And then while you're watching, 
you're thinking back to what happened previously and you're like, oh, that makes sense now. Mm. Especially the opening scene after the intro mm. where she's just like sitting up, just squeezing her boobs. Yep. And you're like, what the heck? And she's like looking down and being real confused. Um, and you're like, okay. like Because in my head, I was like, did she like age really quickly? Like that was my thoughts was, um, did she uh, like go through a time loop or something? And she is older than she was originally Mm. um, because her hair changes in the intro. Mm. And that was one thing I noticed. Like, anime characters' hair, like, rarely changes. Um, So if an anime character's hair has changed, there is an age difference. Mm -hmm. That's how I figured out. There's, like, either a big emotional thing or an age difference. Like, anime is the one form of medium where hair change counts as character development. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so and her hair, she had three different hairstyles. So I was I was looking at that and I was like, her with short hair is her younger, her with her hair braided is her now, and then her with the long hair is older. Mm-hmm. I was only right about the long hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in my head, I was like, okay, well, why else, you know? Uh, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, it starts off with an absolutely beautiful. Um, well-spoken, romantic opening of both of them, um, both of these voices, um, your Taki, Taki's voice and Mitsuha's voice, talking about um, the fact that they're living their life as though they're missing something. They're living their life, they're going through every day, and they just feel like there's something there that they've kind of just like, that's just, it's just there, and it, and they don't know what it is. They don't know if it's like something, uh, somewhere, someone a thing that they're supposed to do, they don't know, but it's just right there. And they're both talking about that. And then you end up with a beautiful opening scene um, and a gorgeous view. And it's stunning. The opening is stunning. Like, just watch it for, like, eye bleach, you know? Just, like, if you need <laughs> if you need to cleanse your eyeballs, just watch the opening, like, three minutes of this because it's stunning. There's two scenes like um, that in this film, too. There's one later to where it just shows, like, a compilation of everything going on. Just mm-hmm. to kind of speed yeah, time the, along. Yeah, the anime, the anime uh, art style changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was beautiful. Like it, like I'm gonna gush about it a lot, but there's a reason <laughs> why I said this is the most beautifully animated, like film in general. Like I'm talking Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, and anime in general. Like I've never seen anything so beautifully done. Like this, like there is mm-hmm. so much attention to detail put into everything. The colors with the comet, with like the skyline changes and everything during that intro. And also Radwimp's like intro during this thing was perfect. Like just so good. <laughs> so good. But yeah, I, I had to talk about mm-hmm. it because like if you watch anything out of this film, watch the intro and like the speed montage, like transition scene as well. Like yeah, it, I'm sure they're on YouTube. Oh yeah, like it just I can't speak highly enough about they're the level like of music, detail. They're like music videos. They're not even like part of a film. They're like a whole art piece. Yeah, and like the animation is a step up compared to everything else in the film too. And the film yeah. is already just fucking Stunning. gorgeous. But they yeah, step the, it up a notch to where like the light yeah. reflecting off of the bells and everything. Like it. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. The landscapes mm-hmm. and the buildings, the the scenery in this film is, is absolutely stunning. Like, just, there's detail in everything. Oh, okay, that clip of her first looking out over Tokyo, mm-hmm. oh boy, that was beautiful. I've always been a fan of cityscapes, mm-hmm. and that 
was stunning. I was glued to this. Oh, yeah. But anyway, like, we were way ahead of ourselves. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, okay. <laughs> continue, please, before I go off uh, on another rant. <laughs> okay, so Mitsuha, uh, she wakes up. And um, everyone was saying she was acting real weird yesterday. And she does not remember yesterday. She's like, what? What, what was I doing? Um, her sister says it. Her grandma says it. Um, her classmates are saying it, saying that she kicked up a fuss. And uh, she's like, I don't get it. Um, and then over the morning news, um, they start talking about the fact that a comet is going to pass. Um, I believe it's on October 31st, but that's next month. But I think it's Halloween. Um, at the end of October, anyways. I can't remember the day, but it's at the end of October. Um, and yeah, it's going to pass next month and that they're going to have a festival and, um, she is going to, uh, like, and there's like, um, things that she needs to do with her grandma before that time, um, at the festival. Um, and then as she's walking to school that morning, she walks along with her two friends, um, Tessie and, uh, Sayoka, um, and, uh, they're great. And I shipped them from the minute I saw them on screen. I was like, they are adorable. Please get together. Um, <laughs> and, uh, as she's walking to school, she sees that the local election for mayor is happening. Um, and, uh, she sees that the candidate is standing in a car park with a megaphone, um, yelling out policies, I guess. I don't know. Um, I've never experienced that before. Does that happen in America where you just get like uh, people that want to be elected standing in a car park yelling at you? No, well, not like not anymore. Like, yeah, you might occasionally have like a local outside rally or something like that. But typically mm-hmm. all advertising right. and stuff is done either through yard signs or television ads. Yeah, that's kind of how it is over here as well. Although I did, hmm, was it, I think I was watching someone's, um, someone who's been living in Japan talking about the fact that they have like car announcements, like these cars that drive by with the speakers on the top of the car that are promotional campaigns for uh, electoral, like, like for elections. Uh And I thought that was very interesting. And it makes me wonder whether or not it's because of uh, like a... um, oh, what do they call it, Um, roadside furniture laws. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in the UK, we have these, uh, yeah, I think it's called roadside furniture, which is basically like billboards and signs on the roads and stuff. Um, Can't be there because it's considered roadside furniture and it increases distracted driving. Hmm. So in North America, you have so many more of them than you do in the UK. And it makes me wonder if there's some kind of law like that in Japan as well. So to get around that law, instead of having like, yard signs and picket fences and stuff you have an auditory campaign with like going around and yelling at people (laughs) but also it makes me curious because japan seems to be such a like noise conscious society but anyway that's a side point (laughs) um but yeah as she's walking to school the mayor uh or well wanting mayor candidate no candidate i think he's the current mayor but he's like having the he's trying to get re-elected i think so yeah uh yeah yeah um, and he yells at her, saying, uh, Mr. Hart, stand up straight. Um, and that's when you find out that he is her dad. Worst dad. Um, Hashtag worst dad. Mm, Dude's a fucking prick. <laughs> I hate him so much. I mm, Bad dad, but is he as bad of a dad as um, Roscoe does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai? 
Because I think he's worse. No, I think this one is worse because at least the one in uh, Bunny Girl Senpai, like, kind of left to go take care of the mother. Like, even though he Mm. was like, you know, I can't, you know, take care of the daughter just because he's like, he doesn't understand what happened. And, like, that's Mm -hmm. just the thing with mental illness. Like, I get it. Like, yeah, that's true. He didn't process it. Like, I deal with that with my own family. Like, they don't understand depression. They don't get how it works. So I can get that. Like, he just doesn't get it. Whereas Mm -hmm. this dude, he he legitimately abandons his daughters. Like, dude. He was kicked out, though. Well, it's, like, he didn't want to adhere, but he was also, like, politics. Like, he even said, like, fuck the shrine. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But the spoiler caps up. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, like, like he willingly abandons them and was like, no. Like, I don't care about the shrine. Like, no. So, mm-hmm. Grandma kicks him out. But he's just like, okay. So, but even then, like, the way he acts with Mitsuha, like, he doesn't treat her like a daughter at all. No. Like, he treats her like, I don't want to say like a tool, but he treats her like... A campaign slogan. Well, not even like a campaign slogan. He like his the meetings in the office and everything with her. He's just like yeah, like he just treats her like a peasant. A nuisance. Yeah, like yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, worst it's, dad. It's also like in Rascal Does Not Dream Body Girl Senpai, he kind of got a little bit of redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Teeny tiny, teeny tiny amount of redemption arc. Whereas in this, the redemption arc was cut out, and it's left to you kind of to assume it mm-hmm. because. He obviously clearly did believe her at the end because they evacuated, but you don't see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Worst dad. (laughs) (laughs) That is my standpoint, and I will stick to it. Who's the worst dad in all of anime? Now I'm curious. Ash Ketchum's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, Hunter x Hunter's dad just abandoned him when he was like three. Hmm. I've never seen Hunter x Hunter, so I I don't have any input on that. I I haven't seen all of it all the way through. Um, I got to like the giant ants arc, and then for anyone who's seen it, and then I stopped watching there. Um, I think that was like over a hundred episodes in though, so I don't know how how far that is. Um, it's a big one. It's a big one. But I got to like the giant ants arc. I think I got towards the end of that arc, um, and then I yeah I put it on hold. Um, but yeah I. He, his, he, the whole point of his journey is to go and find his dad. That's not spoiling anything. It's, like, mentioned very early. Mm. And, um, yeah, his dad left him when he was, like, I don't know, like, a very young child. Um, and, yeah, his, his, he then sets off on an adventure, being, like, four years old, running around the world. Uh, We're going on <laughs> an adventure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look like I'm... Uh, actually, he, he does look his age. But also, I'm doing things with a giant adult people that are full grown and I'm like 12 like <laughs> it's one of those situations main character is 12 doing things of adult anyway um so yeah uh then when she's at school she sees a note scribbled on her notebook um that's not in her handwriting that just says who are you who are you that's from Alice in Wonderland is it in Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass? It's the caterpillar. Is it the caterpillar? I can't remember. I know what you're talking about, but I can't tell you where it is. I think it's in Wonderland. Um, and then the, her friends start to explain to her that yesterday she came to school and she had a bedhead. Her school uniform was all over the place. She forgot where her locker and her desk were. She was like all over the place yesterday. Um, and she has no recollection. Um, and then it goes back home and she is with her grandmother, um, 
talking about the uh, Mia Tsumi shrine threads and her little sister. And her little sister is explaining, her grandma is explaining to her little sister. Excuse me. I've got the hiccups. <laughs> I'm malfunctioning today. Um, <laughs> She's falling apart. I'm falling apart. Um, they didn't just take my blood, they took half of my brain cells. Quick, we gotta um, find a replacement. <laughs> Uh, I don't think you're going to find a replacement for my stupidity. I think you just stuck with it, mate. I was going to say, um, there's no replacing you anyway. Aww. You're irreplaceable. Me, on the other hand. <laughs> you did it, I got to get me out. Let, let, me just, let me just yeet myself just out of here really out quick. <laughs> Editing Brad is going to take over from now oh. on. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> I mean, yeah, her grandma's basically explaining to the to the youngest sister um, that the family for many, many generations has made these threads. Um, and it's just basically like um, uh, woven cords um, using many different threads of cotton, or I guess cotton, I don't know what else it would be, um, to weave together these long strings. And these strings represent um, the connections of life. Um, they can represent... Uh, your connection to the world we can represent the connection between two people um they can represent the connection of food to you as you consume it um everything has these threads running through it and these threads are what ties the world together and so they are physically making threads and have done for many many generations for the ceremonies uh, for the shrine and um uh mitsuha is not happy about this i mean she likes doing it she's does this absolutely gorgeous dance um uh, a little bit later and it's it's absolutely beautiful um but she uh yeah she's not really happy about yeah she does this actually right now she does this gorgeous dance it's stunning um with her sister and uh in the dance for this ceremony she has to chew up rice and spit it out into a cup. And then when it ferments, it becomes a type of rice wine or sake. And um, that is then given to, um, as like an offering to the gods. And it is representing half of her soul. So she's giving half of her soul to the gods as a um, offering. And uh, some of her classmates who actually saw her earlier in the day when her dad was kind of yelling at her, um also see her go through the ceremony where she has to spit out this chewed up rice um and they're like oh my god that is so embarrassing like oh my god i could never do that so gross um oh my god oh oh my god yeah um and uh she gets really embarrassed as any teenage girl would uh but it was beautiful the ceremony was beautiful like i know this is coming from someone who's not used to this kind of ceremony so you know it it's not necessarily, but I, I, in my head, I was just like, but if they had, because they came like to the ceremony right as she was spitting it out and they missed the whole dance. And I was like, if you had seen the dance, you would be in tears right now because of how moving it would have been. And you would have not been in her sake. So screw you. Anyway, <laughs> least favorite characters of the film because uh, they were unimportant as well. They were just there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so she runs down the stairs, runs down the shrine and gets to the lake, uh, to the edge of the lake, and she yells, um, I want to be a handsome boy in Tokyo in my next life. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that is it. And then she body swapped. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's when you see him in her body, uh, squeezing them boobs. <laughs> okay, question. 
If you mm -hmm. mysteriously found yourself swapped into the body of the opposite sex. Yes. Just yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, I know exactly where you're going. No, and that I, is... I agree. Like, completely. I don't understand how she got so embarrassed and didn't just immediately start exploring. I am... I I know that she's, like, supposed to be, oh, teenage girl. Like, no. Like, I don't know a single teenage girl, realistically, that wouldn't have just shoved their hands down their pants immediately. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, like, it's... Like, as a guy, like, <laughs> I guarantee you, like... Any guy who, like, randomly, like, body swapped, the first thing they would do, like, it's just... <laughs> well, yeah, just curious. Like, more than anything, it's just heckin' yeah, curiosity. It's, like, it's literally new. Like, it, who knows if it's ever going to be an opportunity again. Yeah. So it's just like, figure it out. Yeah. No, like, I fully, I'm fully with you here. If I magically swapped into a lad's body, I I would explore that body. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's like, apologies I don't to like, whichever lad I explored, but you know, <laughs> like it's just like I don't, like I don't get how she was embarrassed. Like it was a dream yeah. to her yeah, at first. That's what she thought. Straight. Yeah, so it's just like, why are you embarrassed? Have at it, because you can obviously see that Taki had a blast. Yeah, <laughs> much, much to Yotsuha's chagrin over it, like. He, he went to town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but genuinely, like, I don't understand why she was so embarrassed. I mean, I get why she was embarrassed about it, but also, like, she, I would have gotten over that very quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, I, I didn't even need to have you ask because, like, it's I've made a joke out of it every time I've showed it to Walker, Bree. <laughs> like, it's just, like, I see it and I'm like, dude's right. <laughs> yeah. No, fully. Like, he is right. Like, I am with him on that. Like, it's just curiosity like what is it like like i mean i mean i have enough questions as it is about like whether or not it gets in the way when you just have to like sit down and stuff but like it can <laughs> okay answer that question there we go i've learned something there <laughs> but you know like don't you have questions like i want to explore i want to figure it out like that is oh yeah it, it, i don't know like okay Anyway, we are possibly going down a rabbit hole that we might not be able to come out of in the best light. Yep. So. Yeah, we, we may not want to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. And not only that, but it's a rabbit hole. We could probably go down for ages. So Yeah, it's probably best that we uh, continue on with this conversation uh, in a different way. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> um, I just the, said the, hilarious the conversation and that needs beautiful. to be had. My next note is just hilarious and beautiful. So I don't really know what that means. But um, yeah. So I think it would be like her interaction with Taki's dad is hilarious. Oh, yeah. And then she steps outside and overlooks Tokyo and that's what's beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. No, yeah, that Tokyo view is stunning. So that's the only thing that I can think of. Yeah, yeah that would be it. She's in his body in Tokyo. So they have officially swappity swapped. Um, everything is different now! Exclamation mark. Uh, so yeah, so she is now in his, his body in Tokyo, and so she goes to his school, um, she interacts with his dad very briefly, um, and she, they did a fantastic job of animating her in his body, and making him masculine, but moving femininely. And not only that, but I don't know if they, or I can't say I don't know, I don't remember if they did it in... 
the sub version or not, but in the dub version, like they keep the same voice actor, but they have him mm-hmm. talk in a higher pitch. Yeah, like yeah, she's yeah. not used to that. <clears throat> yeah. And then there's yeah, a scene yeah. I'll talk about later on if you discuss it or not, but the basketball scene where oh, like yeah. he absolutely goes ham. Yeah. So they made a light novel of like him in her body and the interaction that takes place because most of the time, like I would almost say that Mitsuha is the main character of this film. Yes. I <clears throat> would say so too. Even though it's more like 60, 40 with her kind yeah. of overtaking, but still like she's more or less the main focus. Cause you don't see like, you really don't see uh Taki and Mitsuha's body other than the boobs and towards the end. <laughs> So, like, it kind of explains, and it's explicitly told, because it talks about how they have, like, they leave each other notes and whatnot once they figure out everything. Mm -hmm. And so, it's immediately, or in the book, it's talking about how, like, she leaves a note of, whenever you're in my body, wear a bra. (laughs) Because the way they animated that scene, like, that's something that clicked watching it through this time, where it's just like, oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, no, actually, I had wondered about things like that. Because, obviously, as well, like, they were swapping bodies, it seems like, over a fairly long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the female body goes through things uh, monthly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was very curious as to whether or not that would be included, but it wasn't. So uh, that's just kind of left up to your imagination how <laughs> Tucky would have dealt with that. Um, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, because even when it's not during that time, there are hormone swings and other things that, uh, oh, that rhymed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Can you tell the ADD is on peak today? Um, Well, it's like, I'm also like, I I realize we're going out a rabbit hole here, but since it is a guy, like, what... Would the hormone swings actually be there? Oh, because if they swap brains, then the brain chemistry would be different. Yeah, so I don't... But does that mean... I mean, how does that... Because you never see him... Because it makes me very curious as he is a teenage lad as well. And things happen when you're a teenage lad that you can't necessarily control. I I don't... I don't know. Like... It makes you curious, doesn't it? It does. Like, I... There's so many unanswered questions. (laughs) There is just about the like the how this how they dealt with this. We we need more lore. That's what we need. Maybe that's why she was so embarrassed. Maybe, huh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyways, um, we keep digging ourselves into a hole here, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Uh, but yeah, so she goes through his day in Tokyo and, um, she, uh, yeah, she says things in her dialect by mistake. She says, um, the feminine words for things. That was really funny. I don't know how they would have done that in the English translation. Um, but she was going through the feminine and then the masculine, but she wasn't saying the right masculine word. She had to do like five different words before she finally got to ore and it was like the right masculine word. And the guys are just like nodding. Um, you know uh-huh. the scene? Yeah. Yeah. So they did that. And then <laughs> it's funny because I, th- 
we talked about this in Bunny Girl Senpai as well, but she is like basically like using Southern slang for stuff, like saying y'all and mm-hmm. whatnot. And that happens in this film too, but also like how that rubbed off on MC in mm-hmm. Bunny Girl Senpai. It happens in this one too, to where towards the end, I think even uh, Taki says y'all are starting saying Southern slang. <laughs> So how did they how did they do the masculine feminine thing? So whenever they're sitting there and they were like, so why are we late to school? She's like, um, so there's this girl. They're like, huh? Uh, a gal. And they're like, uh, like even more questioning. She's like, right. um, a guy. And they're like, and then they just nod like, uh-huh. <laughs> right. Okay, cool. So they, okay, they played yeah. it off really well. It. Uh, yeah, it's nice they they translate that well. Mm-hmm. I always have a huge like hats off to um, the uh, translators and the subbers and yeah the guys that dub and sub and, and translate the words properly because they do such a such a good job um, at not just translating them verbatim but translating them con- contextually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's really good that they do that. I hats off to those guys. And with um, with my my brain literally uh, my brain died damn it <laughs> so the director of the film whose name has completely left me and i i gush about him all the time anyway so he like hand picks uh, makoto shinkai yes shinkai so he will like hand pick voice actors like even the english voice actors have to audition with him and if I'm not mistaken, for Weathering With You, like, he handpicked who he wanted to be in that film. Mm-hmm. Because they had, like, huge names audition for and the film. And, like, this is even for the subbed version. Like, he mm-hmm. had huge names audition for it, And he gave it to new people that had never had a starring role mm-hmm. in anything. Because he's like, I want to, like, bring in a new wave for yeah. my films. And I was like, good on you. Yeah. So, yeah, rabbit hole. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then as she's going through the day, she ends up uh, going to his job. He works at a restaurant. He's a waiter. Um, and when he is, she, in his body, is um, at the restaurant, there ends up being a customer that is a bit of a prickly pear. Um, and he has um, inserted a toothpick into his piece of pizza. Speaking about uh, a prick with a prick. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, into the last piece of his pizza, he inserts a toothpick. And then he goes, um, oh, waiter, there is a toothpick in my pizza that I didn't see. You could have killed me. Give me money. Um, And uh, she, being him, and not having ever worked a job before, and not having lived in the city before, doesn't really know how to respond to the situation. So she goes, "Um, oh, oh, uh... Uh, Italian pizza, Italian food doesn't use toothpicks, so that's not us. And then he goes, what? Are you accusing me of lying? You're accusing a customer of lying? That's absurd. And then um, uh, his senpai at the restaurant comes on over and she mediates the situation. Um, And then afterwards, um, when they're all uh, closing up the restaurant... um, uh, his senpai says, you know, I'm kind of worried about you. You're acting kind of strange. What's going on? Um, and everyone's like, yeah, you're real weird today. Um, she's like, I'm fine. Um, and uh, that's when they notice that the senpai's skirt has a big, like, slash mark in the back of it. Um, and uh, the prickly pear from the customer had, like, pulled out an exacto knife and, like, 
torn up the back of her skirt. Um, and uh, so then uh, Mitsuha in Taki's body um, takes her into the back room and is like, hey, take off your skirt. And she's like, what? And he's like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to look. I'll turn around. Um, and... Uh, and then she stitches up the skirt for her. And there's a really cute little pattern with a little hedgehog and the, the grass and stuff. And it's adorable. Um, and uh, that makes Senpai kind of swoon a little bit because Taki is expressing his feminine side. Uh, despite the fact that um, his feminine side is a female. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it kind of spikes them on a little bit of a romance thing um, where he she ends up walking senpai to the station um and they kind of like uh flirt a little bit um between the two gals <laughs> um and so then um she writes about the day in his diary in his phone and um puts her name on his hand um yeah she wins the major points and then back in um Mitsuha's body um taki is obviously taking over it um and this is the day before <clears throat> the start of the film if that makes sense um this is the the day when everyone was saying that she was acting weird in the beginning um and he wakes up uh in her body and he is in school and he is in art class and throughout this he's an artist he loves to sketch he loves to draw um and he loves to draw landscapes and buildings that's his big thing um and uh, so he is drawing a cityscape in art class in her body and um they overhear uh the classmates that are just kind of like a bit dickish talking about her dad who's running for mayor and like kind of bad mouthing her a bit and so he just like kicks over a desk and then acts all cool about it because like in the beginning scenes um, in his body, he's got a like patch um, under his eye on his cheek where he's clearly gotten into a fight and gotten cut, and so he's got like a uh, gauze on it. Um, and uh, yes, he's a, a little bit of a tough guy, a bit hot-headed, um, and so he kind of like is stands up for her a bit and like kicks the desk over. Um, and then they figure out that they are switching places, um, and they figure out that they're, they're switching places a few times a week. Like this is becoming pretty like regular a regular occurrence for them so they decide to set some ground rules um to stop each other from like messing up each other's lives but um yeah they keep involving in each other's (laughs) lives anyway and changing things around boobs um (laughs) (laughs) but so my favorite part about this whole montage was whenever Mitsuha asked Taki she was like why do I have a girl confessing to me (laughs) (laughs) like it yeah. The montage is great. Like, I love it so much. The montage is great. So this is where you start to see, like Brad was talking about earlier with the basketball thing, where she's all of a sudden got really, really good at basketball. She's like, have, has the guys in the school drooling over her. Um, she's acting really, like, confident in ways that she wasn't before. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's, well, he is, is just being a dude. Um, but she previously wasn't that kind of girl. So it's a very big personality change for her and it's quite shocking to the people around her mm-hmm. and vice versa with um, uh, her in, in Taki's body and with him becoming feminine and like one of his friends calling him cute. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, getting all blushy and then just being like, he's kind of cute. Yeah, he was He was kind of cute yesterday. <laughs> he was kind of cute yesterday. Uh... I kind of miss him being that way. And it's like, aww. Uh, it was very sweet. And the other friend looking at him like, huh? <laughs> um, 
Um, and uh, so then um, uh, the grandma starts explaining to Taki in uh, Misuha's body about the connection of the threads um, and the underworld's offering. So they climb to the top of this mountain with the rice wine sake and um, the threads that they made. And they climb to the top of this mountain, they climb over the mountain, and when they get over the mountain, there's this clearing. Um, and they walk over the clearing and there's like this stream that runs around the center of the clearing. Um, and, uh, the grandma explains that once you cross the stream, you're crossing kind of into the underworld or into the world of the gods, basically, not necessarily like the underworld with the devil. It's not our kind of underworld. It's, it's different than that. Um, yeah, in the dub, they kind of explain it as the realm of the gods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that makes more sense in our culture. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they wade through this river, this stream. Um, and uh, when they get there, there's this cave. And then inside the cave, um, they place the rice wine and the threads. Um, and the grandma explains um, the fact that this is a donation of half of Mitsuha's soul. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is this is an offering and, and the meaning of it and the connection with the threads and the fact that the threads connect everything to everything. And it's a really, really interesting moment. Um, and the way that the grandma explains everything is, is quite powerful um, and just makes you curious about Japanese culture. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and then uh, there's like flashes of the comet and the comet uh, starts like going overhead. And then the grandma turns to Mitsuha, who is actually Taki, um, and asks if she's dreaming. Um, and then that's when he wakes up. Um, and he has a note in his phone that says, you have a date! <laughs> um, and so he books it to his date as fast as possible. Um, uh, but, like, it's it's pretty clear that his feelings are starting to, to change a little bit there. Mm. <clears throat> um... And uh, when she wakes up, she wakes up in her home and then she gets really sad because she's like, oh, I wanted to go on that date. And then she starts crying. Um, and yeah, and this is where you could start seeing that this is taking a real emotional toll on these two characters um, and that their connection to each other is that maybe they haven't been completely honest with themselves about how they're feeling about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so then... Uh, yeah, he he goes on his uh, on his date um, with the senpai, and um, he's having a good time. He's been all right, but he's acting kind of a little bit off. Um, and then towards the end of the date, um, he asks his senpai if she wants to go to dinner, and she says no thanks. Um, and he's like, well, why? Um, and she's like, um, I think you liked me at one point, um, but I don't think that you still necessarily have the same feelings for me that you once did. Um, And he's like, I don't know what you mean. And it's like, she's clearly seen something that he hasn't. Um, And then later on in the film, she does explain that um, somebody had clearly impacted him because he's recently become a very different person than he was previously. Um, And I think she means that when I first heard that, I thought that she meant, oh, well, that's just because uh, Mitsuha was in his body. But I actually think that it was that even when he was in his own body, he was different to how he was um, because of the impact that Mitsuha had and his um, experience in her world. Um, And so then she cuts her hair. It it 
flashes back to to her. She has cut her hair. She has short hair now. Um, and oh, I forgot to explain the um the red thread right at the very beginning of the film, like before the even the intro. Um, you see a clip of them um passing each other in a train platform, um, and a red thread stretching between them. Um, and it stays in his hand, and she lets go. And that's important. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll get back to that. Um, and uh, yeah, she's cut her hair. Um, and then it turns out that there is a festival. It's the brightest day for the comet. And yeah, so they're, they're holding this this festival for the comet. Um, and it has so happens to be the brightest day that it's going to fly across. Um, and they're like, hey, do you want to come to the festival? And she goes to the festival and her hair's all chopped off. Um, but then after, uh, then uh, he's like trying to contact her. Um, and she says, um, oh, you should be able to see the comet now. Um, and then it's at the end of his date and he tries to call her, but the phone, like the, the number doesn't go through. Um, and he's really confused. He tries to call her, tries to text her, um, and it's not going through at all. Um, and after the comet flew over on her end, um, he now can't reach her. And um, he also doesn't switch with her again after that. Um, and then, so he's like obsessively drawing the mountains um, of the prefecture. And he is like, it's weighing on his mind clearly very much. Um, and so he decides that, you know what? I'm just going to go find it. I'm going to go find her. Um, and so he packs up all of his sketches um, because that's all he has of the locations. All he remembers is what it looks like in his sketches of, of where it is. And so he does some searching online um, sees that it's in this one prefecture and decides that he is going to go there and just hope for the best. Um, and he packs up all of his bags and his friends tag along. Um, he ends up with uh, his one guy friend and senpai, who, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the name. Miss Ogudera? Yeah, the senpai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they all go on the trip um, to the mountains. And when they get there, um, they're searching all over the place and he's asking all these people about this drawing and then um, they're kind of like giving up on it because they people are just like, oh, I don't know where that is, I don't know where that is, I'm sorry, I don't know where that is. And they decide to just stop off at this one ramen shop, this one ramen restaurant, and they get there and the um, waitress comes over, the, the server, um, and says, oh, that's a really good sketch, that looks just like it. And uh, I don't know, uh, Itomori. Itomori, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, it looks just like Itomori. Um, and uh, she goes, uh, it's such a good drawing. Um, hey, husband, come over here. Um, he used to live there. He used to live in Itomori. Um, and uh, he's like, oh, you know where this is? You know, that's awesome. Um, where is it? Is it close by here? And that's when the owner of the ramen shop says, um, Itamori was was destroyed in that comet explosion three years ago. Uh, everyone there died. It was a horrible, tragic accident. Um, and he is stunned. So the owner of the restaurant ends up taking them to the site um, of Itamori, and he just sees the devastation of this town that he used to frolic through in Mitsuha's body. He's now looking at it in his own body, and it's completely destroyed and he hasn't swapped back with her and yeah there's no sign of anything it's just devastated then he's like no uh, I knew her I knew her she was here she was here and he's trying to get his friends to believe him but his friends are just not believing him because they have no reason to like it's crazy um and then he's like no I have these memos I have these these diary entries that she left in my phone 
and he goes to open his phone and all of the memos in the phone just start like flickering away to code and then disappearing completely. Um, and then you find out that 500 um, were 500 people um, were either dead or missing in the rubble. Um, and so he goes to, um, I guess, the library or government office or something, and he's looking up um, the obituary and he finds her name among the dead, along with <clears throat> her friends and the rest of her family. Um, and then he starts to forget. He starts to forget her name and the places of the, and the people and he's he's not really remembering anything and he he's he's getting real confused and he's getting real sad um and he's sitting around the table with senpai and she's like hey that's a really nice red thread you have around your wrist there and he goes yeah someone gave it to me like a, a few years ago i i don't know who they were though and um and then he's like, you two just go back to Tokyo. I'm going to stay here for a little bit longer. I'll catch up. Well, he doesn't really say that. He leaves it on a note and he jumps ship early in the morning. And he takes his drawing and he travels to the land of the, the gods, the underworld, um, where he travels up the mountain. He goes to the clearing and he goes to the cave. And it's pouring raining. Um, and the stream, which you first see when he's going to the clearing, in her body is now like a rushing river because of how much it's been raining and he's wading through it and it's up to his waist when before he was just like trekking through in his ankles and um and he goes into the cave and uh he goes down and the sake bottle that he placed there is now covered in moss and overgrown and he uh takes a sip of her sake because um, her and her sisters were both placed there and he takes a sip of hers and as he does so, he slips backwards. Um, and as he slips back, the flashlight on his phone that he's using to see around in the cave um, points upwards to the ceiling. And that's where you see a sketch or a drawing of the comet flying overhead um, on the roof of the cave. Um, and then he gets kind of a, a flash of her life going through her life timeline. Um, and he calls out to her not to go to the festival. Just don't go to the festival. Don't go to the festival. Uh, get to the school. Like, get safe. Um, and that's when he wakes up as her on the day of the festival. Um, and the grandma says to him in her body, uh, are you dreaming again? And then the grandma's basically like, I had dreams when I was little, but I don't remember because we don't remember our dreams. I just remember I used to have dreams. Um, and, uh, and... Yeah, you. We, I don't remember them anymore. Dreams fade. <gasps> so much happened. <laughs> um. So much does happen. Like, this is another one of those films to where, like, it's kind of hard to paraphrase any of it or, like, leave some yeah. of it out because everything matters. Yeah, completely. And that's why I was going through the, the, the with the spoiler warning, um, I was, like, tr I was trying so hard to avoid anything because one little thing i even think the body swapping is a spoiler because i don't know like i because i went to it completely blind when i because i like not even having read a description of the film um it was so much more like if i had known one thing i don't think i would have had the same the same experience and so that's why like i was like i was gushing about the film mm -hmm. but i yeah. said nothing because yeah. it like because the first time that you see taki playing with the boobs it's just like Huh? huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it really is. And what? that's why I genuinely thought it had been like a time loop thing rather than a body swapping thing. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, for, like, the first few minutes, I was like, I, I didn't get that it was a body swapping. I thought that she had, like, gone from um, pre-puberty to post-puberty and thus had yet to experience the uh, magicalness of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I had to sit back and think of what I was thinking in the theaters whenever I first watched it, like, I think I can just remember myself being confused. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Because, like, yeah, like, it's really confusing when you see someone and you think, why are they playing with their own boobs? Why are they so mystified by the fact that they have that body? Because yeah, like, you get that, like, intro scene and you like see them both, like, living their own lives and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you see her wake up, sit up and be like, what? where am I? And then look yeah. down and, like, sees, like, obviously staring down her own shirt. And then just starts yeah. groping. And it's yeah. like, what? And then what? without even... Like, to us, no time has passed. Yeah. But she's dressed, she's running out, she's getting food, and they're like, oh, you're back to normal today. It's just like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a very, like, um, uh, confusing timeline when watching it for the first time, which is, like, it's, it is definitely one that you have to sit down and watch yourself, because me explaining it, even though I'm going through it in as much detail as I can, because I feel like it needs the detail, um... I don't think you're going to understand the movie as much. Yeah, like, I, I recommend watching it twice. At mm-hmm. least twice. Like mm-hmm. like I said, I've seen it through six times, and I don't even think it's just six. Like, mm-hmm. I know I've seen the first hour probably nine or ten times and then just fallen asleep during it just because I've already it's seen it. It's a very it. peaceful kind of film, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it's like it, the music in it and the lighting and everything makes it kind of soft mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a very somber film. But then, like, I I remember jerking awake during, like, this upcoming scene, whenever the explosions go off. Mm-hmm. Because that, like, I remember just immediately just snapping away. Like, oh, huh? what's, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it's a very cap- captivating film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so... Now it's um, Taki in her body, and he is going on a rampage, my dude. He is like, we have got to get these people out of here. Somebody listen to me. And Grandma's like, yeah, I believe in dreams. I believe that you're not who you say you are. But also, nobody's going to believe you if you tell them that everyone's going to die tonight. Don't be stupid, stupid. Um, and I love how real the grandma is. She's just like, she's she just didn't, she wasn't like, try your best or whatever. She was just like, huh? Huh? <laughs> like that look of huh is, <laughs> it's, oh, like I want to yeah. turn it into a Twitch emote just because. Right. Honestly, yeah. Like it, it deserves it. And it yeah. happens multiple times during the scene. I'm just like, I know. Huh? <laughs> oh, one thing that I, uh, I thought was fantastic that they, they put in was um, him uh, overestimating his strength when in her body, um, when he goes to pick up the grandma to piggyback her up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I got this. Come here, um, grandma. Like, hop on my back. And then he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't just pick her up. And I was like, yeah, that's something that I totally wouldn't even think about is the fact that if, um, for instance, you magically appeared in my body, like, I can't open a jar. I'm sorry. <laughs> like... And then, like, I, you want to have some pickles? Okay, <laughs> you have to get a device to open the jar for you because I can't do it. Yeah, and it was like one I, of those things to where I got to thinking about it. Like, while I was watching it through this time, I was like, what would happen if Blue mm-hmm. and I, like, swap places for a day? Like, mm-hmm. how, 
like odd. Well, we know what would happen for the first like half hour. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we know what happened there. But then once that settled down, I was like, the amount of stuff that I do on a daily basis, and especially on a work day. Yeah. I was like, I wonder how Blue would react to that. I just, I mean, just the height (laughs) difference would be shocking. Well, there's not that much of a height difference though, because you're what? Yeah, but I feel like nine. Yeah, but that's still. Um, three, four, five, six, seven, seven inches. <laughs> did I math right? Yes, you did math right. Yeah, that's a half a foot. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's still a chunky height difference. And like I mean, foot size, like your balance, like in my feet. Like I don't even want to think like how awkward that would be, and then with your hypermobility and everything too. Like I feel like oh, I yeah. would do something, and then I would break you on accident. <laughs> <laughs> because like yeah, you no get joke. to experience in my life with the. Uh, with extra bendy joints. <laughs> because for me, like at work, like I'll pick up two five gallon buckets that weigh between 60 to 75 pounds a piece in each hand. So each hand, oh. like I'll pick up 150 pounds and just walk with it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's more than I weigh. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> I don't like that baffles me to think. And like, the bruises. Okay, this is something you'd have to get used to as well. Is I bruise crazy easy. So like I was saying, that I got my blood taken earlier today. Um, I have a bruise um, from the blood pressure thing. You know, where they put the like the wrap thing around and they fill it with air? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bruised me. I'm like, I'm afraid of what would happen if we were to swap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have like a big line. It's about... Uh, I don't know how wide the thing is, six inches, I don't know, um, where the seam of the band was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I've got like a big old blood blister, I guess, down the center. It wasn't too tight or anything. I just bruise. Yeah, I'm, I would break you if we were to swap bodies and then you would come back and then you would immediately cancel the podcast. But then I think I would break you as well because I would be like, oh, it's okay. I can move my knee this way and be fine. And then no, <laughs> you know, because like... I'm used to, you know, turning my, like, sitting in weird angles and, and turning my legs around, you know, 90 degrees. Like, I, I can okay. turn my, I can put my hand flat on a table and turn it around 365 degrees and make it face front again. Like, I can okay. put my foot on my ribs. <laughs> the bottom of my foot can go flat on my ribs. Okay, so here's a thought. Could you imagine us streaming in swapped bodies? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Could you imagine the reaction of everyone if we did that? I wonder if you would have, if, like, I would, what would I, because the accent, I mean. Not only that, but the different tones of voice. And the different tone, but, like, it makes me curious. Okay, I'm getting on a whole different tangent here, but there is a scientific, there's scientific proof that the language you speak during infancy changes the shape of the palate of your mouth, mm-hmm. which, which is why if you're not a native Spanish speaker, it can be really hard to roll your R's because mm-hmm. um, you never, like your palate of your mouth actually stops you, prevents you from doing so because it's not something that is common in your language. Mm-hmm. So it's why a lot of people have such a hard time with languages with R's that roll um, when their native language doesn't. Um, So it makes me curious as to how a southern accent would sound coming out of my physical palate, like the palate of my mouth. Well, And if I could do a British accent in your palate. I don't. Like, could your, can your mouth speak British? (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know. And I've said this a few times, but like I've, I've done everything I can to try to neutralize my accent as much as possible because with us going into voice acting, like we need to be versatile with how we speak. Mm-hmm. So like I've tried to, <laughs> I've tried to change how I speak so much and yet trying to think about it. Like I don't, I feel like that would be weird, but not only that, but like the tones that you and I like naturally speak in. Mm-hmm. And I've even caught myself doing it like during this recording of like how much my tone has shifted Mm-hmm. while we speak yeah. to where like I tell this to people all the time I do not know what my natural speaking voice is anymore just because I'm so used to like shifting it and changing it depending on like who I'm speaking to and what I'm speaking about yeah. like my customer service voice is not everyone's typical customer service yeah. voice like whenever I pick up the phone at work I sound like I hate everyone <laughs> But that's something that I had to develop because if I had kept that at the store that I was working at prior in Dalton, like I got ran over that first day to where like as soon as I swapped to sounded like an asshole, like people's like dynamic with me changed. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can't be a dick to this dude. Yeah. (laughs) So like that would. That would just be strange. Yeah, well, I mean, I fully understand what you're saying about the um, not having a natural accent. What do you think in? What is your thought accent? <laughs> I don't, because <laughs> I'm sitting here, and I think we got on the topic of this on one of your streams not too mm-hmm. long ago, of like the, like, what does our inner voice yeah. sound like? And I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, cause it- like, I legitimately cannot think because now, like, I've listened to our podcast because since I'm the one who primarily edits mm-hmm. these, like, I finally hear myself think how I legitimately sound. Mm-hmm. So I don't. You don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm legitimately lost and I'm curious as to what your answer is because for me, like, I, I legitimately just don't know. I think in 50 50, I'll say. Uh, 50% Canadian, 50% British, um, and sometimes Californian when I'm being sarcastic and annoying. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, I'd say that I think probably about 50-50. It makes me very interested because, um, like, I have some friends that are bilingual. I have cousins that are bilingual. I'm trying to become bilingual. um, And I'm not at the point yet where I I think in Japanese. Um, But uh, my cousins obviously think in both English and Japanese. Um, and my friends think in both French and in English. Um, and uh, they have said very similar things in the sense that um, they'll they'll think in a kind of like a Fringlish, a French-English kind of combo. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, then they'll speak whatever language the person initiates the conversation with. And I find that I do the same thing with my accent. Obviously, it is different in the sense that I don't, I'm not speaking another language, but I definitely notice myself speaking with different dialects. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, when I'm talking to my parents, um, I would say things like um, with which or um, to whom, um, which are a bit posh. Um, and then when I'm talking to my friends back home in England, I would say things like uh, whatever or uh, like uh, wait, it don't even matter or, you know, I drop T's, I like... I'm a lot more casual and 
skip out even like whole words or whatever because they don't even mean nothing, you know? Or don't even mean mm. nothing as opposed to don't mean anything. <laughs> um, and like I've noticed that on your streams too, and I'm sure you've noticed with me like just speaking about how like our natural accents and dialects will just randomly like slip out whenever we're not thinking about totally. it or focusing. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed for you, it's especially bad whenever you play horror games. <laughs> yeah. Like whenever like that fight or flight response kicks into where you're literally thinking about nothing, but what's going on to where your brain shuts off the automatic, like, <clears throat> you know, I have to speak the certain way to where whenever it immediately reverts back to your natural like English accent yeah. where it's just like sets to default. Huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but then like when I'm speaking to a Canadian, I'm more likely to say things like, oh, that's awesome. Um, like awesome isn't a word that you use very commonly in English. Um, in in mm-hmm. my English, um, we're all speaking English. Um, in in British <laughs> in Britain, you wouldn't normally use awesome unless you're specifically referring to something that is awe inspiring or awe striking. Uh, but like you mm-hmm. wouldn't just say, "Oh, that's awesome." You would say, "Oh, that's brilliant," or uh, "That's fantastic." You know, your first word isn't awesome, whereas out mm-hmm. here it's used ten a penny. Um, so yeah, you do like uh, what do you what would you say ten a penny dozen a dime? Is that what you say? Dime a dozen. Dime a dozen. I got it the wrong way around. Ten a penny. That's what I'm used to. Um, um, but you call them pennies as well in the States, don't you? Mm-hmm. Like our one cent. Mm. I wonder why that slogan, that saying didn't um, transfer then. Interesting. It, it could be a northern thing, but it's definitely not a southern thing. Like we, like our phrases are very different. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I don't know. It's. Like, language and dialects and slang are just, mm-hmm. like, such a vast thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I've noticed, like, I've picked up on a lot of your, like, vocabulary. And, like, I'll randomly slip it in to casual conversation <laughs> as well. Because, like, from the amount that I watch your streams and the amount that you and I talk, like, mm-hmm. I've definitely found myself using the word brilliant in conversation. I'm like, What? <laughs> Yeah, well, not, yeah. Like, soon I'll get you just using the I abbreviation say. and just saying, "Oh, that's brill," and then you then you'll know you're really English. I've never heard you say that, so oh, yeah, that brill. will yeah. never like that will never catch on. I don't think. I so sent that like, the other day in a, in a message to a friend. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's brill," and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so English." Sometimes <laughs> it's like I've been here how many years, and like sometimes it just like see, look, it's gone again. Like now I'm like way more casual than I used to be before. I used to be speaking proper queen's english and now look at me um and like i've noticed whenever you go more english too like you're more lax and will cuss more (laughs) yeah well the thing about it is is that um the first time that we are completely on a massive tangent here like um (laughs) but like the first time that i ever experienced the need for another accent was when i first started school so i was four years Mm -hmm. old well probably even a little bit earlier than that because i went to primary uh, i went to preschool um, when I was like two. So, mm-hmm. but I'd say probably a little bit older. I'm going to say like four or five um, mm-hmm. when I first like started noticing it. And I went to a local primary school. And when I went there, um, I used to get picked on for having a posh accent, um, mm-hmm. which I don't have. My accent isn't like my natural accent. What you heard at the beginning of the podcast, because apparently this is what I'm going with now, um, <laughs> is, uh, is um, that's the accent that my parents taught me to speak with. That's the one that I used to get, because I used to get corrected by my parents, you know, speak properly. I think every kid did. Um, but when I went to school, I got called posh for that. 
Um, and it's not like I was posh. I was the same as every other kid, um, working class. And, uh, uh, but when I went to school, I got called posh. Um, and because of my vocabulary and because of the way that I spoke. So I, when I went there to stop being called posh, I'd start speaking a lot more like this, which is a lot more, I don't want to say common, but it kind of is common. Um, Mm. It's just more working class. This is just what you working class people kind of sound like. Not that they can't obviously not be working class, but yeah, <laughs> it is. That's the, the stereotype. That's the way it is. Um, and so uh, that's how I started talking at school. So I wouldn't get picked on. It wasn't ever aggressive. It was just noticeable. You know, it wasn't like I was bullied for it or anything. It was just like, oh, you sound different. And people would comment on it. And no kid wants to sound different, look different, be different, you know? So it made sense for me to just pick up another accent and then when I go home if I talk like this at home my parents would be like what are you doing speak properly <laughs> um so then I would I'd then speak um a little bit more like this a little bit a little bit more like this sorry <laughs> there's a k in like um, <laughs> and uh and then I would yeah this would this kind of then I would say that this is probably my most natural accent, I don't know, but I definitely from a very young age developed the ability to switch accents in an element, I won't say of necessity because it wasn't a necessity, but it was a childlike thing of wanting to fit in and not be different, which mm. I do think is kind of a survival mechanism kind of thing, just like programmed into your body to to blend in with the crowd. Um mm. And then, of course, when I emigrated, I sounded even more different than I did just in primary <laughs> school. Um, and so that's when I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to consciously drop my English accent. And that was the first time I did it consciously was um, being in Canada and wanting to sound like everyone else and not be the weird English girl that just emigrated from another country. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that there was actually a couple of other English kids in school, but um, they had all emigrated when they were a lot younger. And so they had developed a Canadian accent naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, when I go home, my parents would be like, what are you doing talking with a Canadian accent? You're English. Um, and so then I would switch back to my English accent and thus developed the Canadian English switch. And for me, like, I've talked about this before, but like how I've tried to change and try to get rid of as much of my Southern accent as possible. However, whenever I'm like, depending on who I'm speaking to, like it will come mm-hmm. back and the heavier the accent of the person that I'm speaking the with. accent. Yeah, Absolutely. like it can get bad. Oh, you should have heard me when my like, cousins came over from England the other year. It was like I had just been transported back into back into English. I I think I sound English, but I think to a lot of English people I sound quite North American. Um, mm-hmm. And so when an English person gets around me and they pick on me for having a, a Canadian accent, um, then uh, I I then strengthen it unconsciously. I, I really think that there's a huge element of just this unconscious survival mechanism of trying to blend in with your surroundings, which referring back to the anime that we've completely gone on a massive tangent from, <laughs> I think it most likely happened in both this case and in Bunny Girl Senpai um, because of the uh, distressing circumstances around all of the characters. Um, I think their survival mechani- mechanisms would have definitely kicked in and to um, blending in with their surroundings, making like they in this case specifically, they are consciously trying to blend in. Um, and because of that, I think you would definitely see it reflect in their accents. And I think they did a good job of portraying that throughout the film. 
Mm-hmm. So very slight tangent from what we're talking about. However, so we've talked about how awkward it would be for you and I to swap places and being each yeah. other's bodies. Yeah. Can you imagine what it would be like for our family, coworkers, friends, all that other stuff? And like, I know how... Like, could you like, imagine, like, just walking out of my bedroom and meeting my brother? And here's the thing. I know absolutely nothing about your brother. Like, I've never seen any of his streams. Like, I've never, yeah. like, <clears throat> I know nothing about him. So I can only imagine, because I only know what you've told me. Yeah. And so, and I can only imagine what he would think, like, if he were to, <clears throat> like, see you, but be meeting me. Like, yeah. how, like, awkward and weird, like, that would have to make them feel. Yeah, and how awkward and weird it would be for us to then switch back into our own bodies and just be like, okay, that was my good friend that was just in my body. Like, I feel like it's kind of better it being a stranger than a good <laughs> friend, you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> I mean, explaining that to people, like, yeah. that would just be an unheard of phenomenon, which that would make for a really great podcast for... <laughs> our friend James to talk about. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, if something yeah. like that were to legitimately happen, but... Well, body swapping has been part of cultures for many generations and, and, and many different cultures as well that have separated by giant landmasses. Because, like, you hear stories of body swapping in pretty much every single cultural history in some point in one of the stories. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you have those weird dreams, too, of, like, where you have an out-of-body experience. Like, you live your life, but you see mm. yourself live it. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those situations of, like, what if that actually is? But that's, oh, the tangent we went on. We went on a massive tangent there, mate. <laughs> like, uh, like, I don't Just know what Just when this... we get into the peak of the film as well. Yeah, like, I don't understand, like, what broke us off this, like, massive, massive tangent. And I don't know what, like, brought me back to reality all of a sudden, but then I was like... Oh yeah, we're discussing a film. <laughs> we're we're like right at the the height of the film right now. We have left them on a cliffhanger of somebody is dead and there's going to be a comet that explodes a whole town, and that's where we left it off. Like, jeez. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hopefully, you've seen this film before, so you know the ending. Yeah. If you didn't, why did you listen to all of the spoilers? What are you doing? Like, I don't I'm know if I need out. to go in as editing Brad and put in a note here of saying if you don't want to listen to a massive tangent. Skip to this part. <laughs> like, skip to nah, this number. Nah, force them through it. you got to listen to it, mate. <laughs> this is what you're here for. You're here for us to ramble. If any of you legitimately thinking, listening, are thinking that we can stay on track for more than five minutes, you're blimmin' wrong, mate. Yeah, like, no joke. Okay, behind the scenes bit here for a second. We have talked about, like, how short an episode is going to be. Every like, single time we say, oh, this is just going to be a short one. It's fine. And so I think this was the first time after the last one, I think Blue and I both kind of looked at each other through messages and we we're just like, we can't set a time for no. a show. Like no. if any episode was going to be short, in my opinion, it would have been the last one. Yeah. And I mean, it was how two the and a half did, hours. Like, how did we make the podcast longer than the movie itself? Like, How did we manage that? Yeah, and not only that, but the episode about Dive, like, as as a anime oh, yeah, that I he, did not enjoy. 
Yeah. How did yeah. we go two and a half hours? But yeah, Kiki's delivery service too. Like whenever we were talking to a friend of ours about it, either on stream yeah. or whatever, I can't remember, but he's like, how? How did you take a film that is 110 minutes long and talk for two and a half hours? It's because we rumble, mate. And, and I mean, like, no joke. I think the past 30 minutes <laughs> has been us going off on a tangent. Yeah. About body swapping, which is, it does relate, but also, was that what we were talking about? Were we talking about body swapping? Some of like it, we went, maybe. Like, I feel like I we started there. I can't even remember there. what we were talking about. I feel like I just slept through that entire conversation. <laughs> welcome <We're>, back. Um, <laughs> so, hello everybody, welcome or welcome. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can make it a podcast. My name is Blue, that's Brad, and... What's your name again? Oh, accents, <laughs> that's what we were talking about. Yeah, accents, right. okay. <laughs> You know, okay, going on a quick little another tangent here because I've got a thought in my head and I have to spill it. Um, one time I learned, and I don't know how true this is, that when you forget stuff is because the little electrical impulses that go between your brain, uh, like brain cells, I guess, um, it like the electrical impulses, like it breaks. Um, and that's how you forget. And then when you remember something again, it's that little spark has gone back and the electrical impulse uh, goes back to your brain. And I feel like my brain just like got static shock or something and it all came back. You see, that's <clears throat> that's how I felt about like us getting derailed. It's like I yeah. forgot what we were doing and we just mm-hmm. immediately like derailed. And then my brain was like, oh, yeah. So listen. <laughs> so listen. Anyways. So listen. Um, so listen. So yeah. Uh, so then uh, Taki decides that the world needs to be saved. He's going to become the hero. He is Batman. This is how it's going to go. Uh, and I'm so Batman. He... I'm Batman. I'm, I'm Batman. I am quoting that. Uh, that is getting uploaded on something. Editing Brad, you do something about that. <laughs> Blue tries to do a Batman impression and just fails miserably. I'm Batman. I'm Batman's having a stroke. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my voice deep enough. But it's not happening, mate. Oh, Batman. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, so... Back to the film. Uh... Yeah, so then uh, Batman decides that he wants to try and save the world. Um, and so he goes and grabs uh, her friends and he's like, hey, my dudes, um, yeah, uh, world's going to explode when a comet lands on the village and everyone's going to die. It's going to be big time bad. Um, so uh, you need to, um, you need to, to get sorted here. Like you need to, figure it out um we need to save save the town get everyone in the school school's a safe zone um and her friends are so cool they're just like okay i'm down <laughs> like like um he uh taki in her body has a real bro moment with tessie and they're like they really bro out and it's really cool to see um clearly they get on like a house on fire and um uh so then they 
they take it on on all uh, on on board, and they're just like, okay, right, we need to save this town. So we're gonna get everyone into the school uh, before the end of the festival, before this comet lands, because a piece of this comet is gonna break off, it's gonna hit the village, it's gonna be real big bad. So, um, because that's one thing that I was actually curious about, because up until I think this point in the movie, they don't discuss that it's a piece of the comet that flies off unexpectedly, <laughs> because in my head throughout the entire first section of the movie, I was like, well, why a meteorologist not? like already knowing about this like surely um like some kind of space <laughs> space sky where people should be have like have mapped this out and projected where this is going to land um and it the reason why they didn't is because uh it fractured um when mm. it flew over the atmosphere um and a piece of that comet is what landed and destroyed the the town um which makes a and lot now, more sense like they and they never really like talked about it yeah I mean, they almost like hinted at it for a second, but so Itamori, whenever it was first formed, so they talk about how the, this comet only comes around every 1,200 years. Yes. But obviously, 1,200 years ago, we didn't have the record keeping that we have now, and some places didn't have record keeping, period. Yeah. So, but they talked about how Itamori was formed from a meteor crashing into the thing, and they said it was like thousands of years ago. Yeah. Well, Big brain. Big brain. Um, Itamori was initially created 1,200 years ago, whenever the first comet hit. Yes. Which does kind of come into play in a scene later, um, when he registers it in the cave. Well, she does Mm. in his body, I think. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, yeah, he's running around and they decide that they are going to blow up the power station, the power supply to the town. Um, so that uh, all the power shuts off and then they're going to go to the um, uh, evacuation system, the warning system. Um, So in Japan, um, they have kind of like uh, a good way to describe it for people that wouldn't know would be um, in the UK during the uh, world wars, they had um, sirens that used to go off for the bombs. Um, if you look up any air raid siren, yeah. like you'll yeah. hear what we're talking yeah. about. Um, and yeah, so if you're familiar, if you've watched pretty much any World War II film, you would have heard an air raid siren. Um, they're very distinctive. And they have them in Japan for earthquakes and tsunamis. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just placed all over um, because obviously Japan gets affected by earthquakes and tsunamis quite frequently. Um, oh, hi, Stomach John. Nice for you to join us, but not yours, mine. <laughs> oh, oh. Like, my stomach just growled. You hungry? Uh, just just a just, little bit. I haven't eaten oh. since, I think, 1130. Dude, why? <laughs> so listen, I did a lot of driving today. That's a no excuse. So, Regular meals. Regular well, meals. Okay, so we were going to have dinner Right before this, like we're going to go to dinner at eight or six, your time. I forget every time we talk, I talk in your time anyway. <laughs> so we were going to go get dinner at six and the restaurant we were going to go to, which is my family's restaurant. Typically they close at seven. They closed at six Oh, boo! tonight for some reason. And I don't understand why. So we were going to go there. I was on my way to go there and it was like six fifteen, and uh 
Brie called me and she was just like, hey, they're closed. Uh-huh. And I was literally pulling in because she was there too. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to go home and get ready for the podcast then. Whoopsies. <laughs> you could have grabbed some food on the way home. But I didn't like I didn't pass anywhere on the way home, though. That was the thing. And at that point, I was like, I'm not going to go out of my way to get anything. I'm just going to go food home. Food is an inconvenience. And- <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm on my third bottle of water while we've been recording this podcast, so I'm getting some sort of nourishment. Water <laughs> Technically, does not my count body's as fasting, nourishment. So water healthy. counts as hydration, my dude. No, no. You see, technically, <laughs> I'm inadvertently fasting right now, <laughs> so dink, I'm being healthy. <laughs> no, inadvertent fasting does not count as healthy, okay? If you're going to go on the fasting kind of diet thing, then it has to be structured, my dude. I mean, I have been. However, today was a lot technically more (laughs) structured than normal. (laughs) Bloody hell. Bloody hell, mate. All right. Because I have been intermittent fasting, but today I've fasted more. I ate like twice as much food as I normally would today. Well, you see, in this partnership that we have with the podcast, you have taken over what I couldn't have. So, friendship. (laughs) So, so friendship. (laughs) In that case, I want half a pint of blood. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, it's in the mail, actually. <laughs> technically, never mind. We we can go on. Okay, okay then. This is this is when I actually get like a package. I open it up and it's just like liquid blood, just like liquid blood, not dried blood, liquid blood. Um, I was about to go on about a stream Easter egg, but I was like, no, you know what? Never we need mind. to get back to this film. We are we are buddy training, guys. Can you tell that we are? off on the brain power today because structure is just not happening um we have structure to begin with the only structure i have is my skeleton and even that falls apart um (laughs) so she um uh so yeah they plan that they are going to hijack the broadcasting system and that's how they're going to get everyone um to safety in the school so then she wakes up as him um in the cave um in the, the yeah in the cave in the the underworld um and the town is gone so she wakes up um in his time this time um uh, so three years into the future and she climbs up to the top of the mountain and when she looks down where the village should be there is just the crater left by the um the comet um and uh it shows that the day before she had gone to tokyo um, and she had tried to find him. Um, but obviously, because she was living three years ahead of him, he hasn't experienced any of um, this yet. He hasn't experienced the body swapping yet. He'll experience the body swapping three years after she does. Um, and so <laughs> when she manages to find him on a train, he doesn't know who she is. And uh, then for some reason, um, she just, well, she gets off the train, but for some reason, um, as she's getting off the train, he calls out to her and he's just like, hey, what was your name? Um, and uh, she tells him her name as she throws the red cord that she had tied around her hair to him. And he grabs the end. And that's the scene that you see at the very beginning of the film. Um, and he has tied that red cord around his wrist and it had stayed there for three years. And one thing I'll talk about here, because we had talked about it earlier, and it was what I meant whenever I talked about the noise with Bunny Girl Senpai for Blue. Well, earlier in the film, it was, so whenever the, um, 
comet had split and you finally see that it's going to hit uh, Mitsuha and them, you hear a gong or like a really large triangle go off because it doesn't necessarily sound like a gong, but it's just that noise. It's kind of like a bell. Kind of. Like it's a gong bell triangle mix. Like it's as loud as a gong going off, but it's like a bell or triangle sound. Yeah. And like whenever I heard that this time going through it, like it literally gave me shivers. Like I like Mm -hmm. visibly shivered. And then at this point, Whenever she climbs up to the top and looks out over it, like, again, you hear that sound and it's like a, like, it's like the characters don't notice it, but at the same time they do. It's like a moment of they're like, oh, or like something has happened. It's like how I was talking about the the brain cells connecting and that electrical Mm -hmm. connection. It's like that. It's like they have that moment of, I remember um, but they don't quite get all the way there. They're like, I remembered 70%. Mm, and then once this is all over, like the little sound of the like the Christmas bells jingling, like to a much more yeah, subtle moment. Yeah, it's the moment. bells from her dance, yeah. from, from the, the dance of the sisters. Yeah, it's yeah. just the intricacies of the sound design of this film. It's the shrine bell, isn't it? That's the... the the, the big sound. It's the sound that you ring, you know, when you clap and you donate the five yen and you ring the bell. That's what I it is. I think so. Or if you're Tanaka-kun, you donate 500 yen because you want to be like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, it's that. But, That's what it is. Yeah, so it's like just the sound intricacies of these films. And it's the same in Weathering With You. Like I, like... One, I want you to watch Weathering of You because they like managed to outdo the animation in this one a little bit just because it's newer. Mm-hmm. But and mm-hmm. two, because of the Easter eggs, because like all of Shinkai's like former films are Easter eggs and Weathering with You. But also just like the Yes. Yeah, I actually saw that in uh the teacher, the literature teacher in this film where she is um explaining twilight the meaning of twilight Mm -hmm. um she in the notes here on the the page the description page that i'm looking at um is explained that she appears in the garden of of words Mm -hmm. like Um, every one of his films has like little like throwbacks to all of his other ones and weathering with you is the same Mm-hmm. And then we'll discuss after we watch Weathering with You, like what Shinkai said in a uh, interview after the fact, because like mm. the fact that all of his worlds are intertwined, mm-hmm. Weathering with You throws a wrench in those plans, something fierce. Oh, okay. Maybe I want to watch a few films other than this one of his before I watch that one then. Yeah, but so anyway, it's so yeah. like just the little intricacies of it is what like I. Like, there's a reason I gush about it, and there's a reason I say it's perfect, is because they don't really leave loose ends. I mean, they leave us asking a lot of questions <laughs> due mm-hmm. to what goes yeah. on in this film, but it doesn't. And just the way it, like, ties everything up and, like, slowly, like, leads everything back together and ties it up in a little bow is just mm-hmm. nice. Like, I I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. So then, as... Uh, yeah, so then... He is in her body, and he um, decides, like, things are not going well with the plan. Um, the uh, He goes to the mayor 
uh, in her body. So she goes to the mayor to see her dad. Um, and he um, basically says, look, you need to evacuate the people. And he's just like, you're crazy. I'm going to send you to a mental institution. And um, and she's like, he's like, uh, how dare you? And like grabs him by the tie and gets right up in his face. <laughs> and um, that's when he says, who are you? To his daughter. I wanted um, to watch him daughter. deck him. Like, I just wanted to watch him just rear back. Because he, like, grabs him by the tie and, like, pulls him face to face with him. And I I remember the first time watching this, be like, punch him. Beat the shit out of him. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but uh, he uh, doesn't. He leaves. And mm. it's not going well. Um, so he then meets up with, uh, Tessie and, um, it's just like a not going well. And Tessie's just like, well, you got to make it work because we're going with this. This is what we're doing. We've already blown up the tower. We are criminals. Like the power is out. We're calling people over the intercom to get people to the, um, to the, uh, school to find shelter. You have to make this work. And that's when he gets the, uh, she gets the urge no, wait, he gets the edge, sorry, to run up to the mountain um, and uh, go to um, the uh, uh, the land of the underworld, the land of the gods. Mm. And so he runs up the mountain, uh, he takes the bike, runs up the mountain, well, bikes up the mountain, takes the bike, but runs <laughs> up the mountain. Um, and uh, he bikes there and he gets um, there and they can hear each other calling. They're in opposite bodies, they're swapped. Um, and they can hear each other calling uh, but they can't see each other. Um, and then this is where you get the the chime of the bells from the dance. Because whenever they um, brush past each other, that's when the bells chime. Um, and then eventually they find each other um, and uh, they are kind of able to have a conversation. And then they swap back into their original bodies and they're both able to see each other. And they have this adorable little conversation um, where they're laughing and crying and just feeling all of these emotions of finally getting to face to be face to face with each other. And um, uh, and then he's like, you are the one who needs to finish this. Maybe it's just because I was the one that was talking to your dad. I couldn't get it done. You have to save the people. You have to protect your village. Um, and uh, and so then he says, but before we forget, let's write um, our names on each other's hands so that we can't forget. Um, and he writes on her hand and then she goes to write on his and poof, she disappears. And uh, then he he's like, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember her name. And he's calling out her name really loudly. He's <clears throat> screaming out. He's saying, I'm going to remember. She's someone that's so important to me. I will not forget. And then he's like, what was her name? What was her name? And he's forgetting and he's panicking and he's so scared and angry and frustrated and um, and he's, he's panicking that he's lost her. And then it flicks to her, who's now running through um, the village. She's running through town. She's trying to get everyone evacuated, but they have like kind of taken over the plan. They've gotten um, her friend out of the booth for making the announcements. They've made an announcement saying, just kidding, everything's fine, stay where you are, over the um, announcement thing. Um, in, in stopping telling people from going to the school and they've taken the other guy who was yelling um, uh, uh, Tessie they've grabbed him and they're stopping him from going through the streets yelling at people in the festival to go to the school and they've taken them um, and they're now putting out the announcement to just stay where you are um, and uh, then she 
runs into and she's running down she's running around and everyone's kind of like making a mess and as she's running down she falls and trips and she's panicking at this point and she trips over and she uh falls down and she can't remember his name anymore either um and then as she falls down her hand lands in front of her face and she opens her hand and instead of saying his name he wrote i love you on her hand and it's so sweet but also frustrating because now she doesn't know his name but i also think that maybe that's why she didn't vanish when he wrote his name because he didn't write his name and i feel like it was something like they couldn't have written each other's names um, so when she actually went to write her real name, um, that's why she disappeared at that moment. Uh, well, because... I like I kind of have a little bit of a theory to talk okay. about, but I'll save it towards the end because, okay. like, and that's why I said I feel like I started noticing things this time around because I think I might have pieced something together. It's all speculation. Okay. Shinkai has told us jack shit <laughs> about it, but I kind of have my own speculation to talk about after we get through the end of the film. Okay. Um, so then... Um, yeah, the tower explodes, there's no power, the sirens, um, and uh, she runs into her father's office, and she runs up to her father, and she's got this determined look on her face, and she's covered in cuts and bruises, and cut. Um, five years later, um, you see him in a suit, walking through Tokyo, um, and this is where it ties all the way back to the beginning of the film, with both of them, well, him in this case, saying... I, I'm just going through life and I feel like there's something, there's something I'm missing. Uh, I can't, I can't quite place my hands on it. I can't remember, but there's, there's something I'm, I'm searching for or, or waiting for. And I don't really know. And, um, you see him going to a job interview. He's trying to become like a landscaper. Or I'm not entirely, I think it was a landscaper, um, with his sketches. might be an architect. Maybe. An architect. Maybe. I don't know. I can't really remember. Um, and, uh, he's not doing so hot. Um, he's clearly just out of university and he runs into his senpai, who's the girl he went out on a date with um, earlier on. Um, and she's married um, and she uh, basically says, you'll find your person, like you'll you'll get there. Um, and I think they're good friends. I really like them as friends. Mm. Um, and uh, And throughout this sort of little montage of him just kind of going through and catching up on... Um, life uh, us catching up on life with him five years later um occasionally you'll see this little like back of a head with a red ribbon on it and you hear the bell noise or Mm. you'll just see like a shoulder brush past and you'll hear the bell noise or just like a train you know go past and you'll hear the bell noise and then one time he's in a cafe and it's just after a job interview and it's not gone very well um and you hear um tessie and uh, Sayaka um, sitting in the cafe and uh, they are talking about wedding plans. And I told you I shipped them from the beginning. And I was so happy when I saw that because I thought they were so cute together. Mm. Um, and yes, yeah, so they're talking about wedding plans. Um, and he clearly, like his ears kind of break up at this. Um, his, it's registering something, but it's, it's not quite there. Um, and then he gets on a train. And as he's on the train... Another train passes by and he sees her and she sees him and their eyes just like get really wide and they like have a moment of like, that's something. Um, And so they both run off of the train on their separate platforms and they run to go meet each other. 
and it's this uh, lovely shot of him running um, towards the bottom of this staircase and then it pans up and she's there on the other side of the staircase at the top um, and they just kind of look at each other for a second and then just kind of feel a bit awkward like they just ran off of a train a random train at a station that they wouldn't normally get off of because they saw a stranger on another train and so they then kind of get a bit awkward and just like he just like starts walking up the stairs or she just starts walking down the stairs they don't really look at each other and they pass each other um and the bell rings and then uh he gets to the top of the stairs and she kind of gets near the bottom and then he stops and then he turns around and he basically just says i feel like i've met you somewhere and she goes i feel the same and then the tears start falling between the two of them and uh that's the end and it's beautiful (laughs) and it just literally ends with both of them in unison just asking can i ask you your name and just oh oh it's so good (laughs) yeah yeah so theory time since we're at the end because i'm i'm gonna gush after the theory thoughts are over with so and this is like bunny girl senpai levels of thoughts with like quantum theory and everything else so do you think the reason that they forget their names, like forget each other's names, is because they're changing history? <clears throat> because obviously he managed to save her by like letting everyone know about the comet and like getting everything to swap. And so yeah. once that like fade away happens, history has officially changed. So all the memories that have happened stop until he yeah. or like leading up to the point, like he had forgotten everything. He just knew that he needed to find something. So whenever he drank the sake, like he re like tangled quantum theory for a second and then managed to switch one last time. But yeah. then once that happened again, like he had, it, like he had actually changed history. So yeah. no more. Yeah. I actually think that makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of where I was kind of thinking too. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, that makes sense. That's what I would I would assume as well. Mm, and so that was something that had finally like clicked with me because again, like I had to I had to come in to this podcast and instead of just gushing the entire time, I had to actually sit down and think about yeah. it. And so I was yeah. like, okay, everything actually makes sense this time since I'm not like watching the film just to love it and gush over it. Like I was like, I have pieced something together now. I have officially big brain something. Look at me go. <laughs> Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense to me because um, that would make it then a, a reset point. Mm-hmm. So um, but... yeah, and because they were in a different timeline, they were three years apart in there in what they were doing. One thing that intrigued me um, and is kind of a interesting point is that they were both using smartphones to record um, what was happening, and they were both going to school for each other. Yet they never saw the date, so thus realized there was a three year time gap. Mm-hmm. But And it also occurred to me this time going through that, like, they were obviously, like, while Taki was in her body, they were talking about the comet the entire time. But Mm -hmm. while Mitsuha was in Taki's body, and also all the time during Taki's timeline, they never once mentioned the comet. And so that's why I was kind of like, huh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, there is is definitely a... Uh, an element of mystery surrounding this film, which I think is really good. Mm. Okay, so uh, what would you rate it on animation levels? Ten. Ten? Like, across the board, animation, music, story, like, Mm -hmm. making me feel things. 
tens mm-hmm. across the board, hands down. Like I can't, I'm not going to sit here and bore everybody with me gushing over every bit of this film because there is legitimately so much that I can go on about. Like everything that I care about in a film, like it hits home on mm-hmm. everything. So tens across the board. What about you? Yeah. Um, animation 10. Sound sound FX 10. Uh, the use of camera work, just the intelligence behind the filmmaking 10. Um, yeah, from, from a filmmaking standpoint, there's some fantastic techniques used here. Um, maybe it's just because I'm not huge into the romance genre that this didn't appeal to me as much on the story level thing. I mean, the the whole like body swapping time loop kind of thing, that was very, very interesting. Um, but I'm not one to go out and watch a romance. So I don't think it had the same kind of impact on me as it would on other people. Um, and I don't think I've felt as emotionally moved during this film as I have with other films. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's just that I watched it on a day when I had my blood taken. Um, <laughs> there is that too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it, but I can't give it a 10. I, I definitely rate it high, but I don't think I would, I don't think I'm going to remember it in a year. Um, okay. I don't think it, That's yeah, interesting. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why it didn't just like stick in my brain. It didn't. It didn't, it didn't make me feel like I wanted to live in their world. It didn't make me feel like I wanted to, I, I, it didn't make me feel like I wanted to be them or I wanted to like experience that. Um, and I, I tend to get that with films. I tend to like place myself in their shoes and I don't think I did during this. I don't think I ever placed myself in their shoes. I don't know if that's just the circumstances of the way I watch the film. Maybe if I watch it again, um, I'll let you know if my opinions change, but I'd probably give it, I don't know, 8.5 for, for script storytelling. It's good, but it, I, I don't think it holds up to other things that I've watched. So what I'm getting out of this is that next time <laughs> I'm going to make you feel things. <laughs> oh no. We get to watch number two on the list of anime films of all time. <laughs> oh no. What are you going to do to me? Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I wrote things like kawaii, sagoi, like really adorable. I think it was, it was very adorable. I really liked the film, but it didn't have as big of an impact on me as Kiki's Delivery Service, Mm -hmm. which I, like, in a way, I had less of an emotional attachment to Kiki, but I was so heartwarmed by it. It was so adorable Mm -hmm. that I find it more memorable. And, like, I have a much stronger emotional attachment to, uh, A Silent Voice because Mm -hmm. it... Like, the I feel a lot of mm-hmm. the stuff that that film brings to light. And so that's another reason why I kind of want <clears throat> to watch it in two weeks for my choice. Because I'm, like, after hearing your thoughts on this one, like, I'm very curious, curious. to how you would feel about that one. But I, mm-hmm. may, I may hold off on that one <clears throat> as well, just because it, like, <sighs> it's hard to mm-hmm. sit through. Like... Even though I've I've read the manga all the way through twice, I've seen the mm-hmm. film all the way through three times, mm-hmm. there is a scene in the film that I don't care how many times I watch it, like, it shatters me. Because mm-hmm. it reminds me of, and I'm not talking like your line April, like, boohoo crying, like, it, it reminds me of 
who I used to be and who I still am at a point. And it like, it tears me apart to mm-hmm. actually like hear it verbalized Mm-hmm. And like I feel it, like I feel every bit of it, and so I'm just mm-hmm. like, I may save that for a little while, just you know, once the state of the world and everything goes back together, because that yeah. that's gonna be a hard watch for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> so I may like I really want to do it for my next pick, but I'm like mm, no, mm-hmm. no, maybe I want to yeah. eat your pancreas for the next one. <laughs> Oh God. Okay. Uh, but yeah, however, I'm I'm curious what your pick for the next one is because we okay. never settled on it. No, we didn't. And I have options. I want to do another sports anime. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I figured because on that I want to I want to redeem. We got to do some redeeming here with the sports <laughs> anime genre. Okay. Um. So I have three options. I'm going to okay. tell you what what the animes are um, and what sports they are, and you can pick uh, because I liked all of them. Um, and all of them are decently well rated. So we have All Out, um, which is based around rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the lowest rated out of the three. We have um, Ace of the Diamond or Diamond No Ace, um, uh, which I just realized how many episodes that is. That is so many episodes. Second season? Why is that so many episodes when there are two seasons? <laughs> Jeez Louise. Okay, maybe we won't do Diamond of the Ace because that's a bunch of episodes. I didn't realize how many episodes that were. Oh, okay, we could do Big Wind-Up. Big Wind-Up's great. Um, and it's baseball, uh, baseball, same as um, Diamond Ways. Um, so you've got baseball with Big Wind-Up, All Out with Rugby, and then um, Kurokono Basuke Season 1, which is basketball. Background on Kurokono Basuke, the other two are like humans doing sports. Uh, Kurokono Basuke is um, humans with magical powers doing sports. So, slice of life... Or Space Jam is what you're giving me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, both All Out and Big Wind Up have interesting animation styles. Kirk and Abbasque is a bit more traditional in the animation style, but the um, uh, storyline is is different. So you've immediately sold me on the baseball one, especially because of the rant I went on the other day with Walker about animation and forced a piano versus your line April. So mm. I immediately have to go with the baseball one because since it's okay. different, I want to see the animation and if possible, critique it and like pick okay. it apart about things I like slash don't like. Okay. Cause yeah. like different animation intrigues me because in the case of a silent voice compared to your name, like they are both drastically different mm-hmm. in art styles. Like your name is, like I said, just the most gorgeously animated film I've ever seen. And a silent voice is very simple. And yet you've seen like the one piece of artwork I did of a silent voice with the cherry blossom background with the two main characters in black and white. So, and like, that's very true to life to the art style of the film as well. Like it's very simple, although it is all colored compared to me doing the main characters in black and white. Like it's Mm -hmm. just true to form of the anime though. So I'm uh so yeah I'm curious okay. like once I hear weird animation I'm like okay I'm in. <laughs> it's, I personally really like the animation style. I'm not gonna say it's crazy different, but I do think that it is. It's definitely unique. Um so yeah it's Big Wind Up. It came out in 2007. It's rated a 4.2 on Anime Planet out of five, so it's got a decent high rating. Um and yeah it's uh, I rated it highly. I rated it a four out of five stars the first time I watched it through. I'm gonna be interested to see what I rate it this time um 
but yeah, I I think you'll enjoy it. I remember it being funny. Um, I don't really remember too much about it other than that, though. So we'll see. So we're both kind of going into it fresh. Now, what can I find it on? I don't know if they have it on Crunchyroll. We shall I, have to experiment. I was going to say, I think from now on, like, we should also start, like, talking about where you can find everything on here. Yes. Because for one, yeah. it makes us actually know where we can find it for the other. Mm-hmm. But also, I know some of the people who listen to the podcast will, like, after we talk about it, go and seek it out to watch it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we should probably talk about that because that would make our lives easier and also the lives of everyone else easier as well. Interesting. So Big Wind Up, the second season, is on Crunchyroll, but the first season is not. Oh, Interesting. I'm going to have to go through everything. At least the free trial of Amazon Prime isn't up in case I got to find it there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, okay. So overall ratings for um, your name are both pretty high. Yours extremely high. Um, And overall, I had a really good time watching it. Um, So yeah, I think that's probably where we're going to wrap up today's podcast. Yeah, so you can find Blue over on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. She streams every day except for Wednesdays and Sundays for podcast and just a day off. Mm-hmm. From 8 p.m. to 10 to 11 p.m. Mountain Standard mm-hmm. Time, depending on how she's feeling, what she's playing, so on and so forth. You know, real life stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you can also find her on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM. And also, you can find her links to all of that and her Discord as well on the website bnbanime.com. Yeah, and you can find Brad on Twitch, which he promises to start streaming more frequently on, uh, at Brad Carter Gaming. And same on socials, except you don't have Twitter. Nope, so no Twitter. Um, if you want to see the Brad on Twitter, you just have to follow at BNB Anime um, on both Twitter and Instagram because we both uh, post there. And you can um, definitely tell who posts because we leave our names. <laughs> we do tend to leave our names, although I didn't leave my name on the last gif that i posted so but i think everyone knows immediately that that's <laughs> you just yeah. just because i saw that because somebody had liked it and i was like <laughs> even if it wasn't a shared twitter account between the two of us i saw that and i was just immediately like that's blue yeah which i'm yeah. so glad i found that because i use that all the time in your <laughs> discord and just like messaging people back and forth because it's <laughs> It's adorable. It's hilarious. So we talked about it with Tana Cocoon, with the little chibi girl, like, slamming the desk with her fists. Yeah. Well, it's that, but with Bongo Cat alongside her, just, like, in time. And I'm like, it's so good. good." Yeah. So if you want to see fun uh, memes and uh, gifs and adorable things like that, then you can head on over to the Twitter. And if we don't happen to write our name, try and guess uh, who you think posted the tweet um because whoever yeah, gets it right stupid, first me. gets a nice gold star on the wall of gold stars <laughs> wow your brain worked real hard there my uh, i wanted to try to do something cool but i was like you know <laughs> i actually don't have a legitimate like board of fame or wall of gold stars so i was like i'm i'm putting my foot in my mouth really quick here (laughs) excuse me while i just eat my own toes um (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, anyway, so we're going to stop rambling and leave you with the excitement of next week's um, uh, big wind-up anime. Uh, this is going to be the redemption arc that you've all waited for, for sports anime. I'm sorry to all of the sports anime fans out there that I failed you last time. I'm still blaming Brad for his stupid pick. <laughs> <laughs> You're blaming me. It was your pick. And yet you left it up to me. It was your decision. I just wanted to know. I rated it highly when I first watched it. And then I had to sit down and dissect it and realize that it wasn't as good as I remember it being. And uh, Yeah, you had to listen to me start off giving it a six. And then you let me talk about it. And you let me take it down to a four and a half. You know what? At this point, I'm taking it down to a two. No. (laughs) We just watched your name. A masterpiece. To, to that. Happy. See, this is where you get to see us, like, because we normally rate things pretty close together, but this is where we're going to start seeing some beef between us. The rivalry begins. It has begun. It, it has is, begun. It is Stardew Senpai versus Sim Senpai. The oh, war geez. has been divided. Oh, Sim Senpai. Oh, God, if I'm a Sim Senpai, then I fail. Big you are time. Sim Senpai compared to me. Okay, fine. But compared to, like, anybody else who knows Sims, I'm rubbish. But anyways, <laughs> we're going to leave you there and stop rambling finally about the end of this. How many times have we tried to end this podcast? Like, seven? I, okay. I have no clue. But, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. We will catch y'all next week for Big Windup. And until mm-hmm. then, we'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.